0: not to talk about the gas lines being closed down by this administration, the global supply chain continues to collapse. And with the coming food shortages, it will be worse than anything we've lived through. In times like these, what should you do? Well, go to my website, Southern Sense, put a dash in the southern-sense.com and click on the upper left-hand corner where it says, my patriot foods and invest in long-term emergency food shortages from my patriot supply while you still can my patriot supply is the largest preparedness company in america with millions of satisfied customers and i'm one of them their food lasts up to 25 years in storage when you need it you will have it and avoid government food lines act quickly and save $150 on a vital three month emergency food kit. This kit provides a variety of delicious foods, totaling over 2,000 calories a day. you won't go hungry when you have this emergency food, period. So, go to my website, SouthernSense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, and save $150 on every three month food kit. That is, go to my website. Southern Sense put a dash in the middle southern-sense.com protect your family and secure this emergency food supply today also you can get other supply things there which i bought is the water purifying system so check it out go to my website southern sense put a dash in the middle southern-sense.com click on the display in the upper left-hand corner for my Patriot F- foods Be prepared. Do it today. All right. And welcome back to another adventure here. You're listening to Southern Sense Live on Blog Talk Radio as well as southern-sense.com, my website where you can view my smiling face and my kitty sitting behind me. Uh, And also up on iHeartRadio's iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, You, Well, actually, not quite yet. Let me double-check that, YouTube. But we are definitely up on Facebook. And, nope, still banned, still banned on YouTube Okay (laughs) All right, I'm your hostess with the most distant radio chickadee, Annie Along with my courageous and oh-so-creative co-host Curtis C.S. Bennett Good afternoon, Curtis, and how are you today?
3: Oh, I'm fine, I heard you mention your cat, so I got my two outside, but I think once it gets in the 90s here, I'm going to have to um, put the uh, the hose on them to cool them down, wet them down out there. You
0: you spray your cats with water? You're a brave man. You're a oh, they love brave it. man.
3: They love it. But they do resist sometimes. But I put it on that nice soft fog setting so it's, it oh. doesn't come fire hydrant. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, we've got ourselves a jam-packed show today, and we've got two previous guests that were not able to make it with us because of, you know, their schedules getting screwed up. But we are supposed to have Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaffer. He's the president of the London Safe, uh, Center for Policy Research. Um, we also have uh, a new person, Pastor Sean Tees, and he's the founding president of Life Factors Fatherless Ministries, which is very, very interesting Reading some of the stats and everything that uh, came on his website, um, this is this is something that it should be a nationwide conversation. Uh, Larry Clayman, who had a problem uh, last week, uh, he's the author of it "Takes a Counter Revolution: Wake Up America." He was a former founder and chairman of Judicial Watch and now currently chairman of Freedom Watch. And then we're having back George Santos, who's a candidate. Uh, for Congress out of New York District 3. Looks like New York is going to have some red areas in it. So this is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, and this district covers an area that I used to live in. And then we're going to close off the show with our Heritage Foundation guest of the week. Jarrett Stepman is returning. He's a columnist for The Daily Signal. So we got a lot going on and a lot and a lot to talk about. So it's a jam packed show today. Wanna to welcome everyone that is here in the chat room here on Blog Talk Radio and those that are joining us up on Facebook as well as my own webpage. So hope to see you there. Um hope to get people to come onto the webpage and try to get off of some of the other platforms and just say hi to me. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and I would like to uh, take this time to thank uh, Vito and um, Ted Yoho for standing in for me last Friday. Um, I listened to the podcast later, and we both did a great job, excellent job.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, there's going to be a lot more coming out of Ted Yoho. Uh, he and I had a conversation. He called me this morning. And uh, there's some things in the work, but it's up for him to say. That said, everyone that listens to the show knows that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to police officer Dan Rocha of the Everett Police Department out of Washington State. His end of watch was Friday, March 25th of this year. And this all comes from the Linwood Times, written by Kenan Brasco and I'll use only his words because uh, it's a very, very powerful uh, article that he wrote. He writes, The city of Everett was in mourning as thousands gathered at Angels of Wind Arena to memorialize Officer Dan Rocha, who gave the ultimate sacrifice protecting the Everett community. The 41-year-old officer, father and husband, was tragically gunned down March 25th, serving in the line of duty. Many people describe their interactions with Dan using words like fantastic, amazing, the best, and professional. This comes to no surprise of those of us who are privileged enough to have worked alongside Dan, said Everett Police Chief Dan Templeton. Everett is grieving. This tragedy has shaken our community to its core and I have been trying to find the words to articulate the pain that we are all experiencing and I'm failing, Everett Mayor Cassie Franklin said during Officer Roach's memorial service. Preceding Officer Roach's memorial service was a procession of officers who marched from the Everett Mall toward the downtown venue as public onlookers lining the Everett Mall way waved both the U.S. and thin blue line flags. The Hearst carrying Officer Roach's body drove under a giant garrison flag suspended by two firetruck ladders at Rockefeller and Hewitt Avenues. Thousands of attendees were touched as the sound from bagpipers reverberated through the arena while officers as far away as New York wore mourning badges on their arms. As a parent, is my first reaction when I heard about Dan was that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Upon further reflection, I knew Dan would say he was in the perfect place at the perfect time to do what he does, serve and protect, and make a perfect world for his kids. Mike Henry, Dan's father, said, he added, my heart is crushed. But I am a proud dad. Independent journalist Brady Cruz introduced speakers that included Everett Mayor Cassie Franklin, Everett Police Chief Templeman, Chaplain Fred Zoller, Officer Roach's father, Mike Henry, and his brother-in-law, Matt Nicola. He was such an amazing guy, an Everett resident attending Roach's memorial, said, He was always very kind, That's the only thing I can say. Kindness just shone through. I've seen him confront the bad guys, and he spoke to them the same he spoke to me. He spoke to everyone with kindness and dignity. He treated everyone with respect. Concluding the memorial, Officer Dan Roach's name was added to the Everett flag in the form of a gold ribbon. Joining three other ribbons, that symbolize former Everett police officer on duty deaths. Officer Roacher's name will also be added to the state officers' memorial in Olympia and to the national memorial next year. Dan Roacher was 41, shot and killed March 25th following gunfire in a Starbucks parking lot across the street from the Everett Community College campus. According to an eyewitness, Gunshots were heard around 2.15 p.m. The witness then saw a uniformed officer on the ground in the parking lot of the Starbucks as the gunman sped away running over the body of the officer. After a a two-and-a-half-mile vehicle pursuit, the suspect was arrested. Richard James Rotter, 50, was taken into custody at 35th and Rucker in Everett. Rotter was on probation and had outstanding warrants at the time of his arrest, as well as a long criminal history dating back to 2004. On March 28th, Everett District Court Judge Tam Boo set bail at $5 million for the alleged cop killer. He is facing a life sentence for the charges of unlawful possession of a firearm, first-degree murder, and second-degree murder. Daniel Dan Rocher was born July 6, 1980 in Santa Barbara, California and grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. Officer Rocher graduated from Durango High School in 1998 and attended college at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. After college, Rocher worked at the MGM Grand Hotels where he met his wife and love of his life, Kelly two began dating in 2002 and were married in 2005, welcoming their first son, Thomas, into their lives five years later. The second son, Harrison, joined their family in 2012. To those who knew Dan Rocha best, his family meant the world to him. Rocha and Kelly moved to Everett in 2011, where he landed a job as assistant manager at the Casino Road Fred Meyer. Everett Chief Templeton said during his remarks at Roach's memorial that he was described as a reasonable and understanding manager and genuinely happy to be at work. In 2017, Roach's drive to protect and serve his community led him to change jobs to public service as a parking enforcement officer for the Everett Police Department. Shortly after his arrival, Everett PD officers noticed his outstanding public relations skills and quickly recruited him to apply for a position as a fully commissioned officer. One year later, he was hired as a police officer and was first assigned to patrol the same neighborhood that he previously worked in while employed at Fred Meyer. While Officer Rocha was able to quickly connect with the neighborhood he had previously served, it was his goal to return to North Everett and patrol the streets that he once lived in after his family had arrived in 2011. In 2020, he landed his dream assignment according to the eulogy. A daylight shift officer in North Everett. This is where Dan faithfully served his community until his passing. The words cannot express our loss. We are truly thankful to you all for your kindness and support during this tragic time. Dan truly cared about his community and worked every day to make it a safe and caring place. For all of its residents, his family said. On the corner of 3002 Wetmore Avenue in Everett, Officer Rocher's police cruiser is adorned with flowers. Many residents came to pay their respects throughout the day to share stories of his life and legacy with a similar theme. Officer Rocher loved his community. Today's show is dedicated to Officer Rocher. Is also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We also dedicate to them, this show, to the, those men and women that serve in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into our promising future. We play this song by Todd Allen Herndon, My Name is America. May God bless Each and every one.
3: Born in the grip of oppression, I fought for my liberty i paid with the blood of my people freedom has never been free now my door's always open to dreamers and friends The virtues
1: I stand for, I respect for humanity. Now I'm challenged by tyrants.
0: Listening live to Southern Sense on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Enlightenment Radio, and half a dozen other places I forget that I'm at. Just go to the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, Southern-Sense.com. I'm your hostess with the most, just the radio Chickadee Annie, along with my co-host Curtis C.S. Bennett. Ah, uh, Curtis, ah, uh, we have so much to talk about, and. So much to do today it is it is amazing. You'll be calling our guest in in a few minutes, but I wanted to talk we got about maybe what about five or six minutes before you have to do got that. A couple of minutes. Um, yeah yeah, um this just came out just a little while ago. You know they tried this disinformation task force uh through Department of Homeland Security, and obviously that went over uh like a lead balloon with Mayorkas testifying before Congress I mean. <laughs> Boy, did they really bomb out on that one. And the backlash that came when it found out that he said, well, we didn't institute it yet. And it turns out they did. They mm. were funding it and instituting it. They lied. Oh, gee, our government lied to us. We are so shocked. Oh, my goodness. Well, guess what? The Biden administration isn't giving up hope. And yesterday they revealed in a briefing that Vice President Kamala Harris will lead a new Disinformation Task Force. Now, this came up on Newsmax, and yesterday I did a WTF. And anyone who doesn't know what that stands for, it is what the...
3: What the refrigerator.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, The panel has been delegated authority to develop regulations to protect public figures from so-called disinformation and harassment okay now this is a quote from the briefing the briefing this is actually a quote they said in the briefing in the United States and around the world women and the LBGTQ plus one political leaders public figures activists and journalists are especially targeted by sexualized forms of online harassment and abuse undermining their ability to exercise their human rights and participate in democracy, governance, and civic life. It added online abuse and harassment, which aim to preclude women from political decision-making about their lives and communities, undermine the functioning of democracy. Uh, I guess that sits for only if you happen to be a liberal, communist, socialist. Uh, if it's someone
3: oh, yeah. like me mm. We can shut down
0: Yeah.
3: They gotta shut us down.
0: This is this yeah. is absolutely outrageous.
3: See that's one thing about that side of the aisle. Uh, they they have persistence in their, their DNA. They don't quit. You know, if it doesn't work one way they come at you in another form, but it's it's the same um it's the same medicine. <laughs> Bad medicine what I should say, our side, we, I don't know, we just give up or we just want to get along and we see how, how well that's done us under rhino leadership over the years. It's gotten us nowhere, but hopefully this new crop of candidates coming in will be, you know, um, pit bulls. And and I I believe most of them are because uh, we have expressed our anger at such levels that I think anybody running now is going to say, hey, you know, we're going in there to, you know, not only be a difference, but uh, make a difference.
0: You know, it, it, it really, really floors me. The woke group are catering to a specific uh, group. All right. The figure, if they go after the 1% the less than 1% of our, our society, the XYZ community. And they make it sound acceptable by throwing in women. But they don't mean all women. They only mean women that think like they do. And then they talk about political leaders, public figures, and activists as well as journalists. Again, they don't mean all, everyone equally, equal protection in the eyes of the law no they want to make regulations that will fit their niche and their narrative it's another way to control the conversation the same way as YouTube has shut me down and I have been blocked and I'm sure eventually I'm going to end up blocked on Facebook and some other places but
3: well what I'm af- what I'm afraid of they do try to push this thing through, and it goes to the court system up to, to the Supreme Court. We know at least one Supreme Court justice doesn't know the definition of a woman, so we're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. She's not a sitting Supreme Court justice just yet. Only when there's a vacancy is she going in. Yeah,
3: it would take some time before something like this gets there anyway, yeah.
0: So I'm going to make
3: the call right now. So okay, well
0: it's well it's basically free speech for thee and not free speech for me and not for thee is what we're getting, and that is what they're handing us. So folks, hold on to your seatbelts because this rocky road is going to get really interesting. And notice how they're doing all of this just prior to the midterm election, the election coming up this November. We've got a lot of primaries that are coming in. So they're doing things to cater to make their Democratic candidates look more attractive. But every time they open their mouth and they pull a stunt like this, it is sending more and more people fleeing red. More and more people are seeing red and fleeing to the red. So, all right, yeah, get get the public incest. They're, they are so out of touch with mainstream America, the vast majority of Americans, that they're doing things where they are losing Latino voters, a huge voting base for the Democratic Party. And they're fleeing. They're fleeing left and right. And you're seeing more and more Republican Latinos now coming winning their nominations uh we've got one now in texas that just won uh we are going to have a guest george santos who's running for new york district uh, three for congress we're seeing a lot more latinos starting to take their place because you know what a legal immigrant is not supporting this border invasion. They worked the hard way. Their families came in the truthful way, the legal way, the right way. And these people coming in and overbearing on our system, causing such a burden to us, the taxpayer, and we're supposed to put put the bill for social engineering? No, no, this isn't just social engineering, folks. This is redesigning our electoral system. It is flooding the system so hard that we cannot – Stop the flood coming through those gates And they know it They want permanent democratic voters They want a one party system It is their way Or no way And the only thing they can do Is completely destroy what we know to be America So folks Hang on to your seatbelt Because this ride is going to get very very bumpy It's going to be a huge fight Coming up again And guess what Members of CNN Network uh, have been saying on air that they think Camilla Harris will soon take over the offices of the presidency soon. That Uncle Joe, creeper Uncle Joe, is not going to make it until the end of his term. And they expect a Queen Kamala Miller Harris president soon. And if she's going to go put together a task force like this, expect to hear a cackling at a funeral coming to a theater near you. So hopefully we'll have our guest in on the line very soon. But there's a lot to talk about, and I'm telling you, it is, it is getting very, very interesting. And uh, CNN Don Lemon is the one that asked uh, Karine Jean-Pierre at a press conference recently, just this past Monday. He asked her, does the president have the stamina physically and mentally, do you think, to continue on even after 2024? And she came back smiling goes, oh, John, you're asking me this question. Oh, my gosh. He's president of the United States. Well, listen, simply because you're president of the United States doesn't mean you are physically healthy. We've had presidents in the past that were not physically healthy. And it looks like we have, may have one that may not even be mentally healthy at this point in time. Said, so, oh, how dare we? How dare we question? Oh, but didn't they do that to Ronald Reagan? Didn't they question Donald Trump when he came down with COVID and they questioned his age? Uh, wait a minute. But Uncle Joe is older than President Trump, isn't he? Hmm. Interesting. We got an interesting thing going on here. So as we wait for uh, Curtis to come back, this is, this is something to ponder. Um, you know, oh, this is crazy because, you know, even when uh, Jean-Pierre denied the fact there's anything wrong with uh, President Biden, um, David Axelrod, uh, you remember him. He's a former uh, President Barack Obama. To continue your call in English, please press one now.
4: Para continuar en español, ah, presione nueve. What
0: the heck? To continue your call in English, please press one now.
4: Para continuar en español, presione 9.
0: I have no idea what is going on here. Uh we, All right, let's let's try this. We just lost We just Curtis, we just lost him. Curtis, did we did we just lose him? All right, Curtis. Curtis, did we lose him are you going to try again?
3: Well, I never got them. I ended up getting some kind of medical supply service, and I couldn't get rid of them until just now. So I don't think I had the right number. I did check it with the number that you sent me on the on my uh, phone. But it's not his.
0: Uh, well, it's a wrong number? Yep. Um, it, I can't believe this. All right, let me see if I can find... Um, uh, Okay, let's let's see if I. Well, I I can't I I I don't know I don't know what to do, because uh, there's another phone that came in with that same phone number, and it dropped,
3: and oh, we had something um, in Spanish. Yeah, I was trying to um, call them to see if I can get, knock off the first call.
0: Ah. Uh, I'm, I'm sending his agent uh, a text um, that I have um, uh, just bear with me uh, just uh, folks Curtis go ahead and talk while I do this
3: alright as most of you know if you were listening last Friday I was at a book signing up in Jacksonville Florida and um it was at what they call the Republican um Party of Florida's um, quarterly. And one of the things they they did, um, on the second day, which was Saturday, they had rented this um former Navy destroyer and to um you know, for just the members and participants in the quarterly and what And it was parked right outside the hotel on the St. John's river in downtown Jacksonville. So just like in the days of Trump, when they had the flutellas, flutellas or boats and things like that, they had one for Ron DeSantis Saturday. And um, there's a lot of people there, a lot of boats about maybe I would say about maybe two, two to 300 boats and stuff, you know, things um, selling by the ship. And there was some news reporters and things, and later on that evening, I was watching the news, and and they were reporting on the festivities there, on that rented boat, and the the left and the media were complaining about something about that ship, even though it's no longer active duty. Somewhere it's written that it's not supposed to be used for any campaign type uh, events and things like that, and. It was a big stink about that they, they were you know trying to um gin, gin up so it just goes to show you can't even have a little um boat parade and and enjoy yourself without the left miss you know misconstrued screwing things so but overall we had a great time you know, we didn't let that spoil us and um as far as here in florida hey we're good to go we're ready for the elections I think we now outnumber the Democrats and registered voters by hundred and I think hundred and eighteen thousand and as most of you probably don't know, this is the first time in history that um Republicans outnumber the Democrats here in Florida Florida, so we have a good good um um Ground game that's going on, and we're bringing in people by the the hundreds every week into our our, our tent, and it's it's nice that we have um, Joe Biden's economy to fall back on and use that as a <laughs> as a uh, <laughs> a point of reference uh, when we talk to these people. You know, gas prices, food shortages, baby formula shortages, and and, and just High taxation and and there's this this aura of doom and gloom that's um, hovering over the uh, the country like a bad storm cloud, you know. But anyway, I think at the end well, of this coming week we have the uh, last qualifying day for candidates, and, and then is on for the primary.
0: Well, what is what is your primary in Florida?
3: The primary is, um, I think is around August the twenty third or something like that. Oh, so you but got a to go. Of course, we, go. Have early, we have early, voting too. And I'm yeah, yeah, I'm talking about early voting, and then sometime mm-hmm. in October, October the something for the um the general election. All right. What about you? Well,
0: guys? I. I just, well, we had ours just recently, and Nancy Mace unfortunately won. Um, the Out of the whole thing, there was only two people that did not win the primary that I voted for, and one of them was Katie Arrington. Uh, otherwise, every candidate I voted for, they, they got the seat. Uh, so I, we were disappointed that Nancy Mace uh, didn't win, but uh, hey, we'll work with what we got. We'll work with our, what, what we got. Um, You're talking about uh, an aura of doom and gloom, Uh, but I think there's a lot of people here in the United States starting to fight back. They said "Uh, we're sick and tired of taking it. You know, like that uh, that movie network. I'm tired and I can't take it anymore. You know, Uh, and everyone starts yelling out the window that we're tired. We can't take it anymore. Uh, And I think this administration. Is really pushed people to the point where they said, wait a minute. Uh, you can't just violate the Constitution willy-nilly. You can't turn around and just decide that you're going to rewrite what America is overnight. And they're saying this is going to be a revolution. It is a ballot box revolution. Matter of fact, we're going to be talking about that with Larry Clayman, uh what's going on. The counter-revolution that is coming on to America and we're doing it as peacefully as we can but remember our founding fathers realized sooner or later if the people get pushed too far there will be a revolution and they they knew it was not for transient reasons so we're going to use every tool in the box we can but be aware Ooh. You push America too far, you better be ready for us to come for you. And that's not a threat. No. It is just simply stating what historically has happened and what is very possible. So don't push us too far. You're going to regret it because right now they have a Biden threatening that if Roe v. Wade gets overturned and the Supreme Court currently is in lockdown because they're afraid of the rioting. Now you got to remember also. And again, we're going to talk to Larry Clayman about this. The leaked uh, uh, decision, the official, it was the first draft that was leaked by someone, a clerk or someone working for the Supreme Court, that leaked that document, which is a federal crime. They leaked it to Politico, who published it, which is also probably a crime because they received stolen documents. And they did not return the stolen documents. Instead, they used them for a news headline. Knowing full well they will incite the public to, to protests and violence, deliberately inciting violence. And, and the, these people over at Politico should be arrested for that. So now we've got the Supreme Court on lockdown. We have people violating the federal law, showing up at the justices' homes. That's against the been law. arrested. It is. Exactly. But those that were protesting January 6th, even if you didn't even enter the Capitol, you were in the parking lot. You have a, a, that guy, uh, Kelly, that running for governor in Michigan, gets arrested. He did not even enter the Capitol, and he was arrested, taken in handcuffs, knowing full well he's running in a primary. What a way to try to ruin his chances. Well, guess what, folks? Get blew it. The opposite exact actually happens. He is soaring in the polls. He is climbing like crazy because you went after him. You violated his rights and went after him. You charged him with false charges. You went after him. And that's wrong. Now, Biden is threatening executive orders if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. And they 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 pitched a bitch about... Uh, Trump using executive orders. Well, guess what? This guy is using it to violate the Constitution constantly. Constantly. And this is what we got. And you wonder, Curtis, why they see a dark cloud over America? Because this administration and those that from the left, the progressive, Democrat, communist, socialists, are all licking their fingers, going, we got our fingers in the pie. Well, hold up, folks. Hold up. Watch what happens this November and how much we turn red, the Senate and the House. And then we start dismantling bit by bit what this administration has done. Right now, they've got two gun measures coming up next week. One, to limit the age, type, and scope of weapons, including your clips. And the other one would be for red flag. Watch out, folks. They're coming for that Second Amendment, and they're going to do anything and everything. Anything and everything. Now, you're 18 years old. You're between the age of 18 and 21. You are a full legal citizen. You are recognized as a full legal citizen here in the United States, What gives them the right to violate the Constitution and take away your constitutional rights, your First and Second Amendment rights, and Ninth Amendment rights? What gives them the right to deny you your constitutional right? They're an elected official. They're the elite. They're the swamp creatures. Mm Mm Honey child, we're coming for you. We're coming for those seats. You think you're safe? You think you're secure? We're coming for you. And Nancy Mace, there's a large segment of us here in South Carolina not happy with you. You threw a lot of money. You threw a lot of money into this election. And you sent out a lot of lies. We're watching. And the second you step out of line, oh, you're going to hear from us in waves. In waves. And that, I guarantee I guarantee, Curtis.
3: Now you mentioned executive orders, and what most people don't understand: executive orders are only meant to amplify existing orders. They're not to be used to create new laws. Only Congress has that um, that that particular job of creating. Mm-hmm or enacting laws and it's not the president's uh, purview to act like, you know, in a legislative uh, um mode. But um speaking of um what what he's doing, where are the Republican leaders out there, you know, in front of the cameras saying that this man is violating the law and the constitution? We don't hear nothing from the Republican leadership. They should be out there every day Calling out this guy for what he's doing—that's unconstitutional—and we don't hear anything. Not that I really expect from the likes of uh, Miss McConnell, but still, that's what they should be doing. They should be calling it like a uh, a referee calls a game foul ball strike. You know.
0: Well, you know, powers that are not in, in the Constitution, powers that not were not specifically enumerated, the 13 enumerated powers, are then delegated to the state. So in the case of abortion, that is a state issue. Same-sex marriage, it is a state issue. It is not a federal issue. So they do not have the right to legislate. Now, Biden is threatening to legislate if Roe v. Wade over, is overcome. But first, Whoa. he will use an executive order to create a law. And as you first said, thing. it is not up to the executive branch to create law. It is up to the legislature. So Whoa. in two two manners, he is attempting to violate the Constitution by taking enumerated powers that are not, the executive branches and use them and take and give executive, uh, give legislative powers to the legislative branch against the 13 enumerated powers. And this is what we, the people, have to do. Every time we see Congress doing this, especially with these gun grab laws they're trying to pass, say, no, 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 this is a state issue. Slap you in the wrist and take your power back. We, the people, have to take our power back. The states have to take the power back and say, we're not following that legislation you passed. It is unconstitutional. We do not recognize it. And that's what we have to do.
3: Well, one of the best ways I fight fight back about this abortion issue, um, you know, because they're fanning fan of the, the, the flames of discontent, the left, that is. So, I doubt so a little bit of truth. They want to lead a perception that abortions will be completely outlawed in this country. What I explain to those on the left that I know that's not true. All it does is return the issue back to the states. There will be some states who want to continue with abortion, and there will be some who will not. So women will still be able to get abortion if they they care to even if they have to leave their state to go to a neighboring state or or somewhere, or if they're really that desperate, you know, fly, you know, cross-country to a state that will do it. And usually when I tell them that, it's like, oh, I didn't know that. I thought they were going to really end all abortion. Well, really they should because it's just another way of murdering an innocent victim, which is a, a baby, and I thought all babies' lives matter, you know.
0: Well, now here's the here's paradox to the whole entire issue, how the left can with one hand pat you on the back and the other one punch you across the chin. The U.N. Human Rights Commission is condemning the United States on the abortion issue, yet the U.N. is saying that abortion is a human right. So it should be a global human right, but the U.S. is violating human right being abortionist. I'm not getting that.
3: Well, first of all, <laughs> so, you know, the World Health Organization should stay out stay out of our business. <laughs> They're not in our Constitution. They're not oh, no, part of our... This is this our,
0: the U.N. This is the U.N. doing this. Not who. The same with them. The, UN. the same with them.
3: They're yeah. they're a world organization, but they they don't they don't have um, that kind of authority over us. So I mean, we allow them to. I mean, a lot of Americans think that's the the, the solution to all the world's problems. You know, just take it to the UN. But um, I see it differently.
0: Yeah, because you know Biden was on Jimmy Kimmel. I mean. He hasn't done a serious interview in I don't know how long. And like Jimmy Kimmel going to give him a serious interview. So Biden talking about the abortion and the reversal of Roe v. Wade, he's saying that the abortion ruling is just going to be the beginning because in the Constitution there was no right to privacy. And then he said that, um, that what's going to happen is, is that we're going to ban contraception, uh, contraceptives. The next thing is to ban contraceptives Uh, no and that is an individual's choice whether or not to do that all right Uh, you decide whether or not to take precautions and use a contraception to avoid a pregnancy or you take the risk of becoming pregnant and once you do that you should be taking responsibility for your life as well as the life of that pre-born child You have two lives there you have to now protect. You made that uh, conscious decision. It is now your responsibility, and you will be responsible for that, that new life, that life that is being created. It is separate from yours. It is an actual separate entity. It will have its own heartbeat. It has its own nerve endings. It has its own brain that will be developed into one of the most marvelous individuals possible maybe they have the next cure for cancer but you took a responsibility, you made a conscious choice and contraception is exactly that a conscious choice so no, contraceptives will not be outlawed I mean it's a medication and you choose whether or not to take it or it is a device, whether or not you choose yes or no to use it it is your choice, and we're not going to stop you from doing that. That's not the whole pro- point of pro-life. You know, it was the Roman Catholics that came up with the uh, rhythm method to help prevent women from becoming pregnant when they didn't want to. So we've been practicing contraceptives since the creation of male-female relationships. It's, oh, yeah. it's not something new, folks. Not something new. Oh. So, you know, here here's where the lies come in. And this is where we have to take, take the uh, the, the uh, um, oh good lord, <laughs> take the conversation back, take control of the conversation, and the lies. Reclaim it, yeah, reclaim it, which is what we have to do. But it, it's going to be very interesting.
3: I, I always tell my liberal friends about the lies of the left. And the way I prove it is that I have them go to the website of the DNC and go to the Art History section. And in that section, they proclaim that they have been fighting for the rights of of, um, American citizens and women for the past 200 years. And then I juxtapose that with their, their true historical background, which is, they were the party of slavery and, and Jim Crow laws and segregation and things like that. So I tell them, you know, if they are if they are lying to you about their history, you have to think about what else they're lying to you about. And that really gets some people to think.
0: Yeah, it, it should. It really, really should.
3: That party that's what lies. We have to do. They have no shame about lying. They, they will lie in your face with a Bible in one hand <laughs> and a pitchfork in the other. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. We are actually in a battle for the heart and soul of America. You have churches that you see splitting because some are going down the liberal path, you know, and those of us who are staying truer to the preaching of the gospel and conservatism are staying the path that, you know, the Christ led us on. But, oh, no, no, no. We have the reinterpretation and rewriting of the Bible. The same with the Torah. And you have religions being twisted to fit the narrative oh that was the word I was thinking of the narrative take control of the narrative and we have to stand firm and and don't let the woke culture cancel us if they if they shut me down on YouTube then I look for other places in which to get the word out so before we went on air, I was posting to Poller, to Getter, to about a dozen other social websites. So this show does go out on other social networks. Um, so, you know, now, we have to the- find alternative ways to get the word out. Now, I can't get on Truth Social because you have to have an Apple iPhone. There's only two types of uh, smart devices that the platform is on. It's not on everyone's. And trust me, folks, I have tried. I've tried signing up. And I've got a Samsung Android. I can't get on Truth Social. I mean, I can get on Gab. I can get on Parler. I can get on Getter. I can get on Facebook. I can get on dozens of other places. I can't. Not yet.
3: You can't do it so Donald
0: Trump, if you're listening, Truth Social, no, you cannot. I tried that too. I tried that too. So, I mean, I right now the the this phone service I have. I went in there. I had to put a new SIM card in there because yeah, you know, they changed. They merged with another company, and it says, "Well, what about you know switching now to um, an Apple phone, an Apple iPhone." And I was told, well, there's no specials. Do you know what some of these phones are going for? Over $1,000. Oh, yeah. And I said, well, and he advised me. He said, you know, wait. Once they migrate all the customers into the new, new platform, then they'll start offering you discounts. So hopefully in the next month or so, they'll have everyone transitioned over. And then I can go and get myself the, the type of phone I need to get on Truth Social. But uh, I'm telling you folks, it, you have to find alternatives. Other ways to get the word out. As they block you in one route, find a breakout in another area.
3: But uh, Curtis, I mean, it is, should be about, yeah, I'm should gonna be about is time. Is there any, any rival to the iPhone? What happened to the Blackberry?
0: <laughs> it went the way of the dodo bird. <laughs> went the way right. of the dodo bird anyway uh, talking about dodo birds I mean it, it, you want to know number one reason why I no longer watch the NFL and I'm sorry I love my Green Bay Packers I it just it just kills me they started with the kneeling they started with the kneeling the Black Lives we're Matter, sorry Colin your call did definite. not go through will you please try your call again uh it, it, oh, Curtis is batting a thousand. <laughs> I'm sorry, Curtis is batting a thousand. Trying is is his, his, the caller. I mean, if anything can go wrong, it is going wrong. And yeah, I just want to make sure I gave him the correct phone number. And it looks like I did. I hate to say this, but we are having one of those days, folks. Just when you think. You had it all together. And all right, let me just double check and I'm looking, looking, yeah. And ah, uh, we're gonna he's gonna try that one more time. No, no, he's dialing a wrong number. He's dialing a wrong number. No, 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 no Curtis. All right, hang on a second. Curtis, you're dialing a wrong number. It's two two three. Curtis. You're dialing a wrong number, Curtis, 223. All right, that's what's going on. This is live radio, folks. You never know what's going to (laughs) happen. You can't make this stuff up. You really can't make this stuff up. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, as I was starting to say about the NFL, uh, the Bengals quarterback, Joe Barrow, uh, was doing an interview recently uh, with the Cincinnati Inquirer. And he was talking about football and superheroes and things like that. You know, it was, it was fine. It was Jim Dandy. And then he was asked about gun control. And at this point, he should have said, I'd rather talk about football. And I'll leave my political opinions to myself. I'd rather talk about football or whatever. But no, he pokes the bear. And he was asked, "Should did he believe that? certain firearms should be outlawed and this is what Joe Barrow responded in his interview and I actually played played the tape just to make sure that this was correct he said you know with everything that's going on if you're not going to outlaw everything you've got to at least make it hard to get all those crazy guns that everyone's using I don't think you should be able to just walk in there and buy one. You've got to go through a rigorous process to be able to buy something like that, I think. Hopefully, the people that get paid to make those decisions figure that out. My job is to play football, but hopefully the politicians can figure that out. Well, Joe, guess what? Number one, there's nothing in the Constitution that says you can only buy a certain type of firearm. And, oh, by the way, our founding fathers and the revolutionaries that founded this nation, where did they get their weapons and their cannons? From private owners, not from military supply places and not from the government. The government got them from the people, or the soon-to-be government got them from the people. All right. He wanted us to outlaw everything. Then he calls crazy guns. Well, it's not the guns that are crazy, Joe. It's the crazy people that use them illegally. So go after the criminals and go after the crazies, like the one that just murdered this police officer, Dan Roker, that we did the dedication to, the guy that was had a warrant out for domestic violence, had a criminal record that goes back as far as 2004, and illegally dealing in guns out of a car, illegally transferring guns out of a car, go after the illegal gun owners, not the legal gun owners. That said, we want to welcome onto our show our next guest, uh, Pastor Sean Tess Ortiz. I'm sorry if I pronounced his last name incorrectly. Uh, he is the founder of Life Factor Fatherless Ministries. Good afternoon, Pastor Sean. How are you today?
4: I'm good. How are you? How, and did, how badly did I mangle your last name? It's, it's Tice. It's like Tice like mice. Tice. <laughs> it's a weird spelling now. It's okay.
0: <laughs> no worries. All right. You're doing a wonderful ministry. And, you know, this is the largest problem that we do have in today's society is single parent households from that stem a whole world of other problems. But that's not the primary issue in today's society. Today's society, the primary issue is transgenderism and social engineering. Um, it's white guilt and Black Lives Matter. Not all lives matter, including the pre-born black child, but no, it, it's, anything but addressing the core problem of everything else that's happening here in America, single-parent household. And you know that how?
4: Well, fatherlessness is my story. I grew up without a dad. Um, my dad came home. Well, I was about nine months old. My dad came home in a drunken rage. He threw my mother and my brother and my sister out of the home. But for some reason, he wanted to keep me, the baby. And so he. Um, the, the cops came. They showed up. And uh, my, they demand that my dad hand me over to them. Instead of gently handing me over, he took me and he threw me across the room to the cops. And I started that day what I call the fatherless journey. Um, it was a it's a it was a lifelong journey. I'm still 37 years old now and and still working through it. And so I experienced it firsthand. I had many friends that throughout my life that have gone through it, and we've seen the negative results that come from it. And people can overcome it. You can overcome fatherlessness, but it is a journey. And and you know you can be involved in helping helping reach them, but. Um, I've studied it for the last uh, 14 years. Um, started writing a book in 2007, 2008 for Fatherless guys, and it turned into a whole ministry that we started doing. Um, we wrote a book for girls. We wrote a book for single moms, and we have all kinds of resources we started developing to help fatherless families. So we've seen it. We've traveled the country. We did a, a three-year Hope for Fatherless American national tour, um, 2019, 2020, and 2021, and we've just seen it all over, the, all over the nation, how it's affecting every single person in the United States of America.
0: Now, my question is, is, where did you have your epiphany? Where did you have that turning moment where you stopped being an angry individual into fi- finding that there's another path
4: for you to walk? Well, I mean, it was – I struggled through my youth with the anger and, and just you know just dealing with you know bitterness towards my dad and kind of process the whole thing. Um, and honestly, it, when you grow up without a dad, you, you struggle with – anger, you don't know how to process it. You don't know how to, um, you know, be respectful to a lady or respect yourself. And you deal with a lot of these things. And so I had mentors that came into my life and taught me how to overcome those things and taught me how to be a respectful person, how to respect, um, you know, people around me, how to respect a lady. And so I was blessed to have those mentors, but sadly a lot of kids don't have that opportunity. And so I was about – I was at a camp when I was about right after my seventh grade year, and I you know, was able to make assurance of my salvation, knowing that I was, had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then also I you know, went, felt called to go into full-time ministry when I was 15 years old. So I had different things in my life where I felt like God wanted me to, to follow him. And so But that was because of mentors that I had. They were pouring into me and telling me, hey, you, you don't have to become a statistic. They didn't say that, but that's basically what they were saying. You don't have to become a statistic. You can do great things through God. Now, what I found
0: amazing is we're a nation of approximately 330 million people. Out of that, almost 10% of our population, 10% being children, 30 million fatherless children, teens, and young adults, 10% of our population are fatherless.
4: Yeah, and it's and it's continuing to grow. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. The numbers seem like they are they try to portray different numbers um, than they used to. They used to say 24 million. Now they say, I've seen numbers like 18 million. But if really, if you add it up, I mean, you got, it show, and, and, and the thing is, the fatherless homes are continue, continuing to grow. The divorce is continuing to uh, grow, and all these things are happening. And so we're seeing it continue, continuing to just continue down a path of, um the fodless making the fodless, and it just it just keeps going and so you know i I would say it's probably well over thirty million um and then there's even the issue of kids that have a dad in their house. But they feel fatherless. The dad's neglecting them. He's not. He's not nurturing them mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so, yeah, the thirty million we have all these young adults out there, and people are wondering why don't they have work ethic? Why don't they? Why don't they do something with their life? Why are they acting the way they are? Why? Because they didn't have a dad in their life. Yeah. So there, I mean, there's millions of them out there, and they're struggling through life, trying to figure out life without that father figure. You know, we have developed a
0: disposable society. Uh, we started with. Lyndon Johnson, the great experiment, you know, starting with welfare, uh, paying people uh, for the number of babies they had and paying fathers to not be inside the same household as the mother, you know, making it like a benefit. And you had a a perfect storm forming, you know, you were making an entire society dependent upon government. And this is my favorite thing. They want you to worship at the altar of government and not at the altar of God. And that was one huge way to take God out of the family. But now they have created this segment of our society that is becoming the norm and not the exception to the rule. And how do we go about now starting to reclaim our society
4: yeah, I really think it's through like I said the mentors um these kids understanding you know I grew up in a home where we were pretty low income and you know we we had some assistance here and there but um through my mentors I realized hey you need to work you know and I, you need to work hard and my mom always worked hard she worked full time um my my Grandparents worked, and so I, I was around a bunch of people that worked, and they were able to. They didn't rely on a bunch of things. Now, sure, do we have assistance and other things? Yes, and sometimes you have to take those as that assistance, and that's what that stuff was established for. But yeah, they want to have a grip on the these individuals. And the thing is, even with the statistics, you see the government doesn't really, um, they don't really put out the numbers of fraudlessness as much as they used to. They used to portray it. You know, in 1993, they you know they put out a study. That fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse, uh, mental illness, suicide, poor education performance, teen pregnancy, and criminality. It'd be hard to find the government to put something like that out now uh, because they have a grip on these families. They have a grip on their hearts and they, they know that they're uh, going to vote in a certain direction and, and you're, you're seeing that happening. So it's really, it's really we as individuals going into our circle of influence. So if you have a niece or a nephew that's fatherless, if you have a grandparent raising grandkids in your community, if you have a single mom that you work with, go and mentor Tour those kids spend time with them, and it doesn't have to be complicated it 's really just spending one hour a week with them or one hour a month or one hour every other week and just encouraging those families and as you spend time with them they're going to see that you know there's a, something different about you than maybe the people around you know your around their life and and they would want to start being like you, um, you know, maybe they, they want to start you know, even voting like you or be, you know, they wanted, they wanted to handle their money the way you do or they want to be a, if you're a husband, they want to be a husband like you. Like they want to model that. And so it's really just getting people to step up to the plate and, and being one of those mentors. And if they can't find a mentor, we have resources at GodIsMyDad.com with uh, coaching and mentoring digitally for them to help them um, as they try to overcome not having a dad in their life.
0: You know, uh, a lot of people don't understand the reasons to talk about this issue. And, you know, you have a whole mess of reasons, uh, such as the statistic from the Bureau of the Census on how many youths are in prison, uh, how many rapists are motivated by displaced anger. And people don't understand being in a one-parent household, that child does have anger and And they don't understand why would that child have anger? You still have a parent, you still have your community, but no, you still ha- definitely have an anger there, don't you?
4: Yeah, they have anger because um well boys, their dads often teach them how to how to channel their aggression, how to handle their testosterone how to how to be a respectable man how to how to respect a lady, and they don't have that there. They don't know how to process that. Now we're not giving them excuses. If they do something that they, you know, shouldn't have done, then they have to own up to that. You know, even the shooter in Texas. You know, he. If you look at the story of his life, uh, at least the stuff we've we've seen, he had a. He didn't have a dad in his life, and his mom was an alcohol or a, a drug addict, and his his uh, he lived with his grandparents, and, and he had just recently moved in with them, and so he was growing up in a toxic environment. He didn't have a caring father, his mother. I don't know the whole story there, but he you know he's struggling through life trying to figure it out. And the thing is, if it's our ministry, we, we show when we, try to, we speak about it a lot of times, we talk about how a child's life is in balance on if you look at a balance a scale, a child's life is in balance whenever they have a father and a mother and when they don't have that mom or dad or both their life's off balance and so if you anybody if you go through life with your life being off balance you're go- not going to be uh, the most functioning person in society like like a person that has a balanced life would be and so that's what they you know they the we, we look at them and we're like, what's wrong with this kid? Well, their life's off balance. How can you bring it back into balance? By Christian mentors, by, by God, by, by resources to help them bring their life back into balance. If they don't have that, they may never get to that point, and then they're going to act out. You know, my own dad, he, uh, he coped. He was fatherless growing up. He was 13 years old when his dad died. And he coped through drug addiction, alcoholism, through the pornography industry, all these different things he tried to cope with, and he never was able to find any happiness in, in anything, and he died alone in a hospital a couple of years ago. And so, but he had the opportunity. He he could have he could have followed God. He had the opportunity to to go to church and grow up in church, but he rejected that because he coped through the methods of the world. But I wonder if he would have had a mentor that poured into his life that could have helped him.
3: Pastor Sean, yeah, I would I would like to add that I was raised in an urban setting, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. matter of fact, and. I think the first 11 years of my life, I was raised in the home of a mother and father, but fathers back in those days, at least the one that I had, was more of a provider than a father. You know, he yeah. went to work, and when he came home, that was his time. He'd go out to the bars or hang out with his friends, and it was my mother left to take care of us. Um, eventually, they divorced. And and I eventually learned later that that really wasn't my father. <laughs> that was my um, stepfather who adopted me and gave me his name. I never knew my biological father. But th- what I wow. want to say is that th- I've been around a lot of people that, that came from broken homes and they became successful in things. And, and the common denominator um, that, that runs through all of those who made it out is the fact that they had a strong moral upbringing and they had association with the church. And you don't see that these days. There's less and less young people attending church today, and um, I think that's part of the problem. Yeah,
4: I really believe that. I believe having those positive role models around you and growing up in church and learning that God can be my father. That's what our ministry is all about. God is my dad. You know, just saying, hey, understanding that, owning that, and realizing that God, God is not like your earthly father. And so if we could teach more and more kids about that and then also put them around positive role models like that, people that are... You know, wanting to they maybe they're not perfect but they're trying to do what's right they're trying to do what God wants them to do and it can change their life
3: I had to look to some of my friends parents especially father figures to be father, father figures and that I wanted to add that that's all Annie
0: uh well uh pastor pastor Sean tell us about uh this God uh God is my I'm going to get this backwards now and read your notes. <laughs> Godismydad.org .org app. How does this work, and and how do you use
4: it to mentor? Explain exactly what it is and then how it works. Yeah, well, we have a couple of different resources. We have godismydad.com, .com, and basically what that is, we started that in 2017 as a. For years, we were looking for. Um, a way to be positive in this situation with fatherless families, you know, because you don't want to be labeled as a broken home. I mean, we, we got a lot of flack for that. So we had we had a thing called the Broken Home Journey dot com and stuff like that. For years, we were trying to figure out how do we how do we be positive. So we, God gave us God is my dad, you know, because He says in, his, in the in the Bible, God is he, He's our Abba Father, He's our Daddy Father. You know, the Bible says when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. You know, he, He's a Father of the fatherless It says in Psalm sixty eight five. And so we went with that theme, and basically what it is, it's a mobile app you can download from the Apple and Google Play Store, or it's a website, godismydad.com. It's got all kinds of videos. There's three sections on there for different individuals. There's the faudless, there's Single Moms, and then there's Grandparents Raising Grandkids. Under each page, there's video coaching, um, just helping them overcome things, mentoring videos, and then there's live, there's live uh, coaching videos that they can get access to. We, do, we try to do like once a month or something like that. And then there's online communities as well. And so we had the first edition of this website out for a couple years, about three years. And then we just took it, we took it down and then we just recently relaunched it in the Apple and Google Play Store and at GodIsMyDad.com. So it's all kinds of stuff for fathers' families. If they can't find a mentor, they can find it digitally. And I know, you know, it's best to have somebody in person, but a lot of times kids and moms can't find people that want to help. And so we, we just went we went digital with it and we have all these things for them. There's a free devotional one there, God is my dad A to Z. They just put their email address in. They can download that. We have our, our store in there with books and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's it's a resource for Father families. We're gonna to continue to add content. We also have a God is my dad YouTube channel as well and you know social media pages for God is my dad TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. And then we also have LifeFactors.org, which is a website for that's our main ministry. Life Factors Ministries was our main ministry that we started. God is my dad's underneath it. But LifeFactors org has turned into a website for uh, churches and Christians that want to get involved in Reaching the Fodders, and so we have resources on there. Uh, we have stuff on there for Father's Day, a guide on how to minister to them on Father's Day. Um, we have a thing for Father's Day on our our uh, mobile app, God Is My Dad. Or I'm sorry, on our GodIsMyDad.com with it's a video for a uh, pep talk on how to handle Father's Day, also a devotional. Um, but on LifeFactors.org, they can find resources. Christians can find resources or churches to help them minister to the Fodders and give them ideas and tools and stuff like that. So if you want, to, if you're interested in getting involved and in helping reach the fathers around you, you can text to the number 66866, the word DAD. Text DAD to 66866, and we'll get you opted into our email list, and then we can continue to give you information on how to um, help the fathers around you.
0: Well, you know, I was looking at that, and I I found it very, very interesting. Uh, You're trying to do one ministry in every county in the entire United States. How many counties are inside the United States? I'm just curious.
4: I think it's like 3,000-some. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's like 3,000-some. But we would – yeah, because we would honestly believe the local church can really be the answer. And, and so we would love to have one church in every county. And so, I mean, we have churches all over the country right now, but we're not even near that. So if you're a church listening to this, we'd love to partner with you and give you training resources and things like that, work together uh, to reach the thoughtless. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot of them out there. But I, I believe that there's – I mean, with millions and millions of kids like this, we need to have these lighthouses of hope in every single place that we can. Now are you able at least to get to the majority of states we've been we I, were I, we've spoken in um most of the states, probably forty some states on the issue of fatherlessness. um churches all over the place, and we've partnered with i want to say there's probably twenty some states that we have, so yeah we still have several states that we need to uh, Get partner churches in, and and we're going to be probably doing a big push on that here coming soon, uh, trying to get churches to jump on board. We're actually establishing a local chapter, God is My Dad local chapter in Las Vegas right now, Las Vegas, Nevada, and – And what that looks like is we come into Las Vegas, we set up a lighthouse and say, hey, there's a ministry here that cares about the fatherless, the single moms, the grandparents and grandkids, and basically just pointing them to churches that care about them, to nonprofit resources, to our resources, and saying, hey, we're here for you, and you can overcome this, but then giving them community connection and churches and things like that. And so the plan is to take this program that we're doing in Las Vegas and go to cities all over the United States. And through that, we'll be able to get into all the, a lot of those counties. We're launching one in, in Tennessee as well in August. So it's you know it's a slow process. We just started doing these local chapters after getting off the road and speaking for three years. But we're excited to see how how God grows it.
0: It's very, very interesting because um, I'm thinking that. About- Given your website to my pastor because we do a lot of ministry, and uh, we have a large community that are you know fatherless of the single parent household in our community, and it would be one heck of an outreach uh here in south carolina wow now i 'm going to ask you you know you've got Father 's day coming up. So you've got 30 million kids out there uh, that have no father. How do you help them through Father's Day? W- what advice would you give to someone who's going, they're angry because they see all these commercials on TV. They see all these advertisements all over the place. They see these sales specials, you know, buy one, get one, three McDonald's burger if you bring dad in with you. Um, how do
4: you help them through that day? Yeah, and it's, it's a great question. We we uh, actually have a pep talk video, fatherless on Father's Day pep talk video on our YouTube channel, God Is My Dad, and also on our website, GodIsMyDad.com. We also have a free devotional, a three-day devotional they can work through and it kind of helps them work through fatherless on Father's Day. That's in the Bible app. It's also, you can find it at our website, GodIsMyDad.com. But you know, basically just um, what we tell them is to celebrate the people in your life that are that are helping you. That are encouraging, whether it's a youth pastor, whether it's a coach, a boss, a a teacher, an uncle, you know, a grandparent, maybe it's your mom, maybe just just celebrate your mom, Uh, whatever it might be to celebrate somebody that's pouring into your life. You know, don't focus so much on the negative because that's going to be an easy thing. And that's just going to make you depressed all day. But focus on the positive, focus on the people that are around you. And and honestly, if, if you have a relationship with God, focus on God. You know, we just had a – we have a single mom group in Las Vegas. That we just launched in February, and we have about 30 single moms in this network so far. And one of the single moms came to the group. We have a weekly meetup that we do, and one of the single moms came to the group on uh, Wednesday, and she said that her 3-year-old was um, in, in daycare, and they're making cards for the dad. And she's like, how do I explain that to him? That you, don't have, you don't have a dad because he was saying, where's my daddy? Uh, and she said, you, don't, you know, she's like, how what do I tell him? And we told her, just focus on God, you know, because she's been telling her for a long time that, hey, God's your dad. She's been telling them that for for a long time before she ever even got connected to our group. And so just focusing on the good things, focusing on God or focusing on a grandpa or whoever, whatever you can do. But really, God's the ultimate father. The Bible tells us, you know, he's a father to the fatherless. And so celebrate him, write a letter to him. You know, and it might sound weird, but if you're in that situation, it's not that weird. It really isn't. It's saying, you know what? I, I do have a dad through Jesus Christ, and it's through, it's through God, and I can celebrate that on this Father's Day. It, you know, it might, you might still be you know, struggling through it, but just having that hope and resting in him and understanding that he will take care of you and he'll help you the more you cling to him.
0: Yeah, you know, people don't understand how complex this issue can be uh, because the statistics is that the rise in crime rate, in suicide, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, Uh, sexual promiscuity uh, assaults uh, you can go on and on and on with all of the social ills that we're having the anger the violence and the vast majority are people that don't have a father figure or even a mother figure in their life Uh, they don't have the balanced family that bring them up with an even balanced healthy personality And spirit and these people are angry and they're looking for a direction but they look in the wrong place and the end result is is we have a society that's starting to run amok and if you look at the number of violent outbursts that we've been having and the increase in crime and if we can bring it back down to the root causes is that we have allowed our society to be so permissible so disposable and so dependent upon government and that this is what has happened, breaking up the family unit. And what better way to create anarchy is to break up the family unit and to remove God from your life? Am I looking at this right or wrong?
4: That's exactly it. I mean it's, it, it all goes back to the devil. He's trying to uh, – he's a divisive individual. Or he's a divisive – he just wants to destroy um, – these families and he's gotten a grip on the the fatherless hearts he's gotten a grip on the dad's hearts and you know we're seeing the negative effects from that um, yes yeah, so definitely and then also evil people use them to do their evil agendas and so let's even see with human trafficking um, you know these kids are getting taken advantage of there was actually a uh, I was we heard of a, a, a guy that talked to a pimp uh, a few years later a few years ago and he was he asked him he said how do you get the girls that you have. How do you how do you find the girls? How do you know who you're going to get? And he says I ask them what the relationship with their dad is like, because it really comes down to that, you know the dad really matters in these kids' lives. And when they don't have a dad, they end up you know going down all kinds of paths to cope with the situation that they're in. And and we're seeing that this they, they have a grip on their hearts, um, and they try to try to get them to do their evil agendas. Yep, yeah, they're vulnerable. They're looking for love. They're looking for
0: attention. And all you need to do is a little grooming, and the next thing you know, they're dependent upon you. Then they get hooked on drugs, and they get hooked on other things. And now they have no choice. They get locked into a life, and it all starts with having a stable home. With a stable home, you don't see this normally happening. But you're also finding, I noticed in the statistics that, it doesn't happen to just those of the society that are the uh, disadvantaged you can come from a privileged background and you're also more likely to fall into that an early pre, uh, ten, uh, pregnancy and everything else just as easily as someone that's from an underprivileged segment of a society it doesn't matter it, this goes across all
4: classes right yeah, that's the thing. And we had people try to tell us when we first started ministry. Well, this isn't in our neighborhood. This isn't in our community. Uh, that's only for the African American community. That's I mean, so many things. Such lies that they that they believed. We um, had pastors tell us we don't have any of those families in our neighborhood, but I mean, there's millions of them, millions of them. And so, yeah, there, it, it, there's a, there's actually a study. Um, it says a white teenage girl from an advantage background is five times more likely to become a teen mother if she grows up in a single mother household than if she grows up in a household with both biological parents. Uh, because she doesn't have that dad to teach her, hey, you're beautiful, I love you, you're my princess, I care about you, I believe in you. And she ends up going down that path of becoming a, a teen mother. Um, Seventy-one percent of pregnant teenage girls come from fatherless homes. You know that. Why is that? Because it, dads provide security. When they don't have security, they find that through an, an adult male or some boy that takes advantage of them. And so, they, yeah, they're going down all all these different types of paths because of not having a dad.
0: Now, I'm just curious: is there a difference in statistics between a fatherless household and a motherless household? Do you see the numbers change? You know, compared to boys and girls, or is it basically the, the same across the board?
4: Well, we don't do a lot of work with um, motherless sons. We do have a children's book for motherless children. Are, but our calling really has been, you know, up to this point, is focusing on um, fatherless children. But there are, you know, with kids that don't have a mom. Um, there is that a lot of times that lack of love um, in their life. They don't have that that mom to love them and to to nurture them, and so they might struggle with some of those things because they don't have that, that nurturing that a mother provides. Um, we focus more on the fatherless issue um, because that's 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 our calling, um, and, and they, honestly, it is a big need. but someday we may focus on the motherless side of it, in um, the, helping single dads and stuff. But it just hasn't we haven't had the ability to do that yet. But, yeah, there are a uh, – there's a lot of um, motherless children out there that are just – they're struggling. And, again, the, the thing is, like I said earlier, like their life is going to be off balance when one of those parents is not there. God created it for, to be a, a mother and a father, and one of, when one of them is gone or both of them is gone, um, they face a lot of challenges and a lot of struggles in their life. And so, you know, you, you can come into the life and you can help bring their life back into balance.
0: Now, how much do you deal with in kids that are foster uh, kids? Do you get a lot of that? Um,
4: We don't. Uh, we don't work with a lot of foster kids. We, you know, in churches and stuff, there's people that, that work with foster care. Children, but There's a lot of ministries out there that focus on that. Ours is more for the, the single mom, uh, the fatherless kid. Now I was kind of fostered when I was growing up. I, uh, my grandparents helped raise me. I moved in with my grandparents right after my uh, first grade year. And so I lived with them for, for a long time. So I was kind of in a foster care family, foster care situation. And so I, you know, I understand that situation. It's very, very challenging, but that's not the focus of our, our ministry completely. Um, uh, we, we have kids that come through our ministry. We have churches we minister to. Um, but our resources focus on not having that dad in your life. Or And we do have a children's book for fo- foster care children. We have a children's book called Eli and Ella, the Little Elephants. It basically just shows them, hey, it's not your fault, and you're, you're, you know, you're a child of the king because you, have, you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, these kids get ripped out of their homes in foster care a lot of times. They, they, they go to school, and then a lot of times they get ripped out of their homes, and that night they have a trash bag of their stuff, and they're living in some strange person's house. And so we created that children's book to be able to um, encourage them as, as when they get to that, that house – that if it's a Christian foster care partner they can give that to them to help them talk through it. And so yeah, it's it's challenging. It's not that's not an area that we focus in, but we have we've I've spoken at um, some you know children's homes and things like that. Um, but that's definitely that's a challenging issue because you lost both your parents and you're, you're facing through it. But it's very similar to the fatherless situation because you're still working through, uh, not viewing God negatively. Uh, you know, you're still working through overcoming your fatherless issues, and so yeah, very very similar situation. But yeah, you know, we that's not just not the area that we that God has called us to focus on. Well, Curtis, do you have another question? Yeah,
3: I was just thinking of. Uh another landscape that had um, a lot of boys in that situation, and that's in our juvenile detention centers. Mm. I used to go to some of these um, centers as a part of my job, and a lot of these young boys are very talented. I mean, they're artists, they're writers, they're singers and rappers and things like that, great talent, but they have been misguided um, in their, their youth. And, and to a point that they end up in these detention centers, um, do you know of any program that reaches out to them to try to um, um, assure them that they too have a father? Because I would probably say 85% of those people, that those boys that are in detention centers, do not have a father figure or active father in the home.
4: Yeah, that, and that's a, that's definitely a big issue. I've spoken in some detention centers and um, at-risk schools and stuff like that, and it, it's a very similar situation. I mean, they really just need to know that there's somebody that cares about them, uh, that, that God will fill the voids in their life, and so very similar. Um, so partners for that, I mean, I, you know, we we've spoken in them, but there are ministries out there that can help with that. I, you know, if you're if you're looking for a ministry for a specific thing that you're trying to to focus on, um, I would say go to, we're, we're part of the Fatherhood Commission, uh, fatherhoodcommission.com, it's, it, we're one of their partners. And you know, if you're looking mm-hmm. for different resources in that, you can go there and you can look at partners. Uh, we're one of the partners on the website. And you can find um, different things on there. There's even a place for single dads. There's forgiveness. I mean, there's um, all kinds of stuff. And there might be on there a place for um, youth detention center ministries. Um, there's a, there's a Also, there's an organization called Hope for Prisoners, too, that I've seen. But to be honest with you, I'm not sure just in general. Um, now, there's a... Uh, Refuge Ministries that I, I spoke for in Augusta, Georgia area, they, they do um, Refuge for Youth, I believe it's called. I forget the exact name um, of it but they, they work with, you know, different youth around, uh, around Augusta and Augusta, just Georgia and you know, South Carolina area. Um, so there's, there's different organizations. I think a lot of them are local though. Uh, are local organizations, local ministries that are just reaching out to like one youth detention center or, you know, a couple different youth detention centers and they, you know, they can, you know, help these kids out that way. Okay. That was Full Circle Refuge Ministries is the one that I know of. That, that they're based in um, Augusta, Georgia, but Full Circle Refuge. And they could probably help you find different ones. The founder is Devin Harris, and it's a it's an organization that we worked with them. I spoke in some of their youth attention centers and different things that they have. Um, definitely a great organization. Now, I mean, my question the is this. You... Oh,
3: go, I go ahead. Just the, say, the day they had, I can't remember the name of this. This program, but I think it was called Big Brother or something like that, where they would pair an adult male with a young young person, and they were kind of like, you know, uh, a, a a positive you know role model. I don't I don't know if that was the name of Big Brother. I believe it is Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or something like that.
4: Yeah, Big Brother, and Big Sisters. You know,
3: yeah. Yeah, and you don't hear about them no more. And I I think it would also be a good thing if more young people, especially the boys, you know, I know this goes for the girls too, can get into scouting, you know, boy scouting. You don't hear too much about that anymore. I mean, every year you hear about Girl Scout cookies, and I love Girl Scout cookies, but you don't hear much about Cub Scouting or Boy Scouting.
4: And we've worked with Big Brothers and sisters in the past. We have done a... Um, we've helped them find mentors. Um, every Big Brothers Big Sisters chapter that I've seen has a waiting list of kids just waiting for to, for a mentor. Um, wow. So the thing is, if you're if you're a good person, you're a Christian, go pour into their life. You know these kids, go be on that that list and help these kids out. Uh, they have different types of programs you can do. You can go into a public school and be a mentor there um, during like a you know break in school during you know study hall whatever. You can be a tutor. Um, Big Brothers Big Sisters, you can get matched up with a mentor. Now, there's secular organizations, and a lot of them are going very liberal. Um, they're you know, pushing off a lot of liberal agendas and stuff like that. Right, um, yeah. Even even Big Boy Scouts of America and stuff like that. So there's on this on this Fatherhood Commission website, there are organizations. Um, some off the top of my head would be um, Advance Camp. It's an organization that has, it's for boys, and it's in Texas, Oregon, and South Florida, and they teach kids skills on how to work on cars. Um, another one is Cause, Kids Outdoor Zone. A friend of mine, TJ Greenie, uh runs that, and it's all over the nation. And they have these, these different uh, things in churches, Kids Outdoor Zone. And that's a great organization for you to get your kids plugged yeah. into um, to, to work with those kids.
0: Uh, Pastor Sean, I want to thank you. but we got our next guest already in on the studio. Okay, But uh, people can find you over at uh, lifefactors.org and godismydad.org and they can get involved and they can help get their, their church involved in it. So I want okay, to thank you and God bless you for the hard work you do.
4: Thank you. Have a great day.
0: All right. Pastor Sean, uh, Tice, Rise and Mice, uh, and we have... Uh, you can go over to his website and help get involved and help these fatherless children. Uh, we have our next guest in on the line, and we're glad to welcome back Larry Clayman. Good afternoon, Larry. How are you today?
2: Uh, doing fine, thank you.
0: All right, you've got the book out, It Takes a Counter-Revolution, Wake Up America. And boy, was I on a rant earlier on the show today, talking about a counter-revolution and the ballot box revolution that is coming in waves that people did not even expect.
2: Holy moly, America's waking up, isn't it? Well, it's waking up, but um, I have to caution on that, is because even if uh, the Republicans take control of the House of Representatives and perhaps the Senate, We still have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the left in control of this country for another two years. We've been all but destroyed, you know, as of right now. We're hanging by a thread. We cannot survive another two years. And they will veto everything that a Republican Congress would seek to do. And if you look at the past, Republicans, when they had control of all three branches of government, did little to nothing. They didn't balance the budget. They didn't reform Obamacare. They didn't give us a clarion call on what's going to happen in Afghanistan or now Ukraine, although they were getting national security briefings. They go on Fox News smiling at the state of the nation because they think that will get them uh, more fundraising and ultimately back into power. So I don't know what we we gain by electing a Republican Congress even this fall, other than to assure that Biden's not going to be able to push through any more legislation, although he will be implementing more executive orders the style of King George III in the days leading up to the revolution so you know this is I think as Hillary might say you know so disgusting when she said it with regard to Benghazi but it applies here what difference does it make because we the reason we have Biden and Harris is because of the Republican Party because they were ineffective did nothing and in fact uh, the American people threw them out
0: Unfortunately, yeah. And right now here in South Carolina, we really fought to get Katie Arrington to replace Nancy Mason. What happens? We have Nancy Mason, we have uh, Lamesy, or I should say Lindsay, or I call him Lamesy Gramnesty, Lindsay Graham. You know, we need the willpower (laughs) to to get rid of the swamp creatures, and we're not doing a good job. And... uh, your book discusses all of this, but you also, on, as your chairman of Freedom Watch, you've been working diligently to expose all of this stuff. And I was talking earlier about Biden's threat to do an executive order should Roe v. B- B- Wade be overturned with this ruling command of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, of course, is being locked down. No one's protecting the justices, so you've got people out there threatening their lives, camping out in front of their lawns, harassing them and their family against the law. You don't see any arrests, but the January 6th people are still sitting behind bars.
2: No, you're right, Uh, and and see, that's the problem, is that, um, and I don't mean, you know, I am a registered Republican, I just haven't had time to quit, but in my book, I point out that we need to take control of our legal system again. We are trying Joe Biden. Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden's brother James for bribery from communist China, from Russia and Ukraine before President Zelensky came to power uh, there uh, for negligent homicide in Afghanistan. We're trying Anthony Fauci for collaborating with the communist Chinese and causing the deaths of millions of people throughout this country and, and worldwide, and judges who have violated their oath of office such as occurred with January 6th defendants, throwing people in prison without even giving them a right of bail. Uh, And then we'll get on to Hillary, Obama, and the rest. But the American people need to take their legal system back. We don't have a legal system. And we've seen what John Durham did recently, falling on his face, indicting the wrong person intentionally. Maybe he thought Hillary might kill him, like she's obviously tried to kill or did kill other people. And uh, this low-level lawyer from Perkins Coie, winds up even getting acquitted so we need to do that and I believe that we need to declare uh, or to create a new government not a new nation I believe that the current political system is dead uh, that the the, the answer is no longer at the ballot box under our current system but we need real leaders real ethical and moral leaders and we need to fine-tune the Constitution take immunity away from federal government officials from federal judges and as I say in my book, it takes the counter-revolution wake-up America. We need to wake up. Thomas Jefferson predicted that without federal judges and Supreme Court justices that would stand in the stead for the American people because they're unelected, unaccountable to the people, they're, they think for life, although not really, but that's the way it's come down in 240-some years, is that they would become despots and tyrants causing us to shed the blood of patriots and tyrants yet again about every 20 years. He didn't want to see violence, either do I. But that's where we're headed. And look where we are today. And and ask yourself, what have the Republicans done? We have high gas prices. We have high food prices. We can't even get baby formula. The left kills babies before they're born and now apparently after they're born, too, by starving them. You've got rampant crime. You've got open borders with drug traffickers, human traffickers, others uh, running across our border. You've got a destruction of Judeo-Christian values, erasing the distinction between man and woman, pushing homosexuality, transgenderism, transsexualism on kids in schools. You've got a demoralized military after what happened in Afghanistan. And then I turn on Fox News and see Republicans smiling and happy because they think they're going to get power. No, they don't represent us and their democrats are pure evil. Pure evil. Socialist, communists, atheist radicals of every group. The country is nearly destroyed. And that's why the subtitle of my book, Wake Up America, Wake Up. Because you know, we are we are hanging by a thread right now. And for that reason we need to rise up and take concrete action, not just protest and boycott, but we need to create a new government not a new nation, and we need to have a shadow government and bring the people to us. We need leaders like Washington, like Adams, like well, Jefferson, you, like Reagan.
0: Well, when you say get a new government, how? what do you envision? Will we still have a Senate, a legislator, an executive branch, judicial branch? Um, will... What do you envision on us having?
2: Well, we need we need to to, to uh, modify a few things here. First of all, yeah, we'll have the equivalent of that, but we'll have we'll have a president. We'll have you know cabinet ministries or or, or departments, whatever you want to call them. These people should be elected, not appointed. Uh, look at what we've got under Biden. It's it's a freak show. I mean, these people, uh, and there are very good people in in various minority groups, but they put in political hacks based upon their sex, their race, their religion, and, and whatever, and they're not capable of running this country. So we need competent people in there that were chosen on the basis of their qualifications, as Martin Luther King would say the content of their character, not the basis of their skin color or whatever. And you know, I would I would say let's throw the baby out with the bathwater is that the people who are running our government today have brought us to the brink of destruction. And we don't have time to be playing around anymore. So, you know, frankly, I could care less who's elected this fall. I really don't care because we've been through this game before and we've had Republican control and the Republicans have failed us. And the Democrats are, are, you know, have a a noose around our necks and are strangling us as we speak. The country's going down the drain. It's not just price of gas. It's not just uh, the price of food. It's not just the failure to have baby formula. It's not just rampant crime. It's not just destroying Judeo-Christian values or destroying our military. It's destroying everything, everything in this country. We're hanging by a thread. And I do not look to the Republican Party for any relief, because if the past is a prologue, as it says in our archives, then it will be more of the same. But, yes, we will create a new government. Now, we need means. We need, when I say fine-tune the Constitution, you need to be able to get rid of a president like Biden without either uh, attempting to impeach him, which is impossible. It's never happened in in the history of this country, impeachment and conviction. And you obviously don't want to see violence to remove him. But you need something like they have, ironically, in California, uh, although California is run by a bunch of radical leftists, actually the political system, in some ways makes sense if if honest and moral people were running it, a recall provision. We need to put that in there. We can't survive another two years with Joe Biden. Or maybe we need to modify it to a type of parliamentary system where a vote of no confidence can remove a president. But can we exist with this brain-dead criminal for another two years? I think the answer is obviously no. The country will be gone by then.
0: Well, then how – what process do you see in overturning the government and bringing back our government to adhere to the enumerated powers within the Constitution and just gut every single regulation and law that was passed that I'm not, not, over, not fit? Uh,
2: yeah, I'm not advocating overturning the government. I'm saying, okay, create a new government, draw the people to us, create a better product. We can create a better product, competition. We name a shadow government with real leaders, okay, and we say, here's what we're going to do. Join us. If this current government, which is corrupt to the core, moves on us, we have a Second Amendment right of self-defense. We don't intend to be hostile or violent. But as it says in our, in the, in our Declaration of Independence, when in the course of human events, the sovereign, the rulers no longer represent the people. Under the laws of nature and nature's God, not the law of the state, not the law of the king, we the people have a right to alter or abolish that government and to form a new government by and for the people with equal rights for everyone in pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. That's a paraphrase of what Jefferson and the rest wrote and put into effect on July 4th. We have a Third Continental Congress at at Freedom Watch. Go to freedomwatchusa.org to see it. We will be declaring independence. We will form a new government, and we will create a groundswell of support. To fall, and we'll have elected leaders that we we'll can come to, and 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 be part of, and th- and they will see that we can do this. And I believe that the military will support us. They've had it. The police have had it. Law enforcement have had it. You know, just in the last few days, two cops were killed in Los Angeles. One of yes. thousands yeah. you know, in the last few years. Yeah, and, and this uh, socialist communist Soros-backed prosecutor Gascon had let the guy out of prison, let him out, and this is what we've got, and uh, we don't have time for this current government to arrest the problem because, as you pointed out, with executive orders, which are illegal, we've got corrupt judges who get there through campaign contributions. You know... If you read the the paper lately, most of the judges in Washington D.C. the federal judges are Trump appointed, and they're the ones that are throwing these peaceful protesters in prison. They're no different than the Clinton or Obama judges. They're all part of the establishment, just the flip side of the coin. President Trump didn't know who he was appointing. They put names in front of them, Republican, you know, corrupt lobbyists like, you know, American Conservative Union, like, like the Federalist Society. They're all a bunch of lobbyists. That's what they are, and These people don't represent us, and that's what Jefferson was saying. Unelected, unaccountable to the people, they would cause another revolution ultimately. Now, we're trying to do it peacefully and legally, but the answer is not uh, just to protest and boycott. The answer is to take affirmative action to indict, try, and convict the criminals who have so destroyed this country, and we have a right to do it as the citizens of the United States, and to put up a slate – and a plan for a new government, like we did in 1776. You know, in 1776, we didn't declare war against the king. He declared war against us. We just said, hey, we're going our own way. We no longer, you no longer represent us. You have not furthered the interests of the colonies. And the Democrats and Republicans do not represent the American people. And to me, it's offensive when I hear, when I turn on Fox News and I see, oh, the alternative is, is the Republicans. It's not the Republicans. It's we the people. And and the Republicans have failed us, and they're the reason that we currently have Biden and Harris, because if they had done their job, they could have overwhelmingly won the election. They even stabbed President Trump in the back. And, and this clown, Kevin McCarthy, who plans to be Speaker of the House, right after January 6th, he was calling around uh, conspiring to have President Trump uh, impeached and or removed from office. And now he's Trump's great friend. Trump doesn't learn his lesson. He'll be stabbed in the back again if he decides to run again. So, and, and we thank Trump for what he did. We thank him. And I supported him. I was in the fact as de facto law firm. But we need to move on. We need someone like Reagan. We need someone like Washington. We need something, someone like, like Jefferson or Adams uh, who can coalesce the people to a greater extent, even with all the fraud. Trump would have won well, if he had kept his mouth shut. Is, okay, he offended so is many there people. Someone, oh, is, is
0: unnecessarily. there someone out there to step in? But is there someone out there? To I, step I think
2: in? I think I think DeSantis may be someone, Governor of Florida. I think, but not as part of the Republican Party. Invite him to join us. The Republicans will stab him in the back too. Already, Roger Stone down in Florida is trying to destroy DeSantis because he wants to see Trump, you know, reenter the scene. But so far the guy seems to be good. I don't know. We'll see how it turns out. I mean, he just doesn't talk. He acts. We need somebody like that, frankly. But not just him. Yeah, well, there are other people. Sarah Palin, Tulsi Gabbard, a Democrat, maybe people who have who have been ostracized from their own political party and know just how corrupt those political parties are. We can we can find these people. People in the arts, people in science, people. You know, honest lawyers, if you can find one, and I'm a lawyer myself, I know what, I'm, what I deal with on a daily basis. Uh, you know, we can find these people. Uh, they do exist. And with God's grace and divine providence, we can succeed.
0: Well, you know, we're talking, you were also following this stuff going on for January 6th. Um, how do we help these people that have been languishing Seeing their constitutional right violated left and right, their human rights. We have one guy that hasn't had his cancer treatment since he's been incarcerated, and he's got one foot in the grave at this point. How how do we well, go around and I've help got two them? class
2: action. I've got two class action lawsuits. Okay, in Florida and in California on this uh, over what's been going on with January 6th, turning the FBI into a Gestapo. You know, the FBI and my former alma mater, the Justice Department. But it's what I'm saying is, is it let's form our own government. Let's let's go our own way and 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 get judges who are elected, not put in power with political campaign contributions. So they have to pay back the people that put them on the bench. You know, we need a broader discussion right now. The system doesn't work. It's gone downhill. It's over. Stick a fork into it. It's over. And I'm not advocating violence, but like I said, I could care less who's elected in the fall, because that the system of government does not work. It does not work, well, not with corrupt people, not with corrupt people running it.
0: We've, we've seen it being weaponized against us, and when the Tea Parties were formed, it was weaponized really against us. And I was one of the few people that says, when we form ours, do not make it a 501c3, because they will use it against us, and they did. And they crushed the Tea Party movement. I'm still around. We still have our monthly meetings yeah. because they can't touch me because I stepped outside of their realm, uh, which is what I think you're you're saying. Your shadow government needs to do step outside of their realm.
2: Yeah. So read and then my show book. The American people. I've, I've got to – yeah yeah. You know, read my book. I have I have to do my own radio show in five minutes, so I apologize. Uh, Special Prosecutor Larry and you can hear it at FreedomWatchUSA.org and 55 stations. Form a shadow government. Give an alternative. Here's what we're going to do. You remember when Newt Gingrich, you know, he tried something. Newt is obviously not perfect. He's got his issues. Remember contract with America.
5: With America he gave yep. the
2: alternative. Okay. Let's give a new government to the people and show them what a real government can be. And if Jefferson and the rest of the Founding Fathers had been a lot, believe me, they would have retooled things by now. And they would have reestablished an ethical and honest government. But 90% of what they put into effect was brilliant, inspired by God. But they weren't God. And they weren't perfect. And there's some things that we can improve to have a more perfect union. And, and I suggest that in my book, It Takes a Counter-Revolution, Wake Up America that you can get at FreedomWatchUSA.org, Amazon.com, and all major booksellers. And it's not just all reading right. my book. That's not enough. It's acting. It's acting after you read the book. It's Absolutely.
0: Well, Larry, it, it's been a pleasure. And they can find you at Freedom Watch as well as your book is up on Amazon. There's a link on the show so when people listen, they can click Thank on it, especially when they hit the archives. So we'll Thank be you, talking again. Have a blessed day. I look
2: forward to it. FreedomWatchUSA.org. You have a blessed day, too. God bless. Okay.
0: All right. Check it out. Uh I have the book downloaded on my Kindle. Uh unfortunately, Curtis, our next guest, George Santos, had to cancel. He had a scheduling uh, conference uh, last second. So wow. that leaves us feeling really, I mean, well, hey, can't win it all. Can't win it all. <laughs> so uh we're waiting for uh heritage that will come in at three thirty. Uh so we have just a little time to uh to play. And uh, Tucker Carlson was talking about uh, this new red flag law, and he just basically nailed it. Same thing I have been saying all along. The law is so unconstitutional, it is staggering that it has been allowed to be implemented in various states. And they say it's for public safety. And for those who are not familiar with what the red flag laws are, basically anyone – can turn around, go up to a judge, swear out a complaint against any other individual. It does not have to be a family member. It does not have to be a spouse. It could be a perfectly, it could be your neighbor or just someone you just don't like. You swear out a complaint saying that they're a danger to themselves and to the public. And that individual has no idea that this is being done behind their back. And the next thing I you know, the judge gives a warrant for the confiscation of that individual's firearms. And then they turn that over to the local law enforcement authority. or just officers of the court, they are given a warrant and said, execute the warrant. They have nothing to do with the fact that a complaint was filed behind this individual was back, but they have to execute the warrant. They're stuck in the middle. Next thing you know, you got people knocking on the door, sometimes it's a SWAT team, because you've got firearms, and they're told that you are a danger, so they're going to be taking steps to protect themselves and the public, and there go your firearms. They're gone. You just lost your Second Amendment right.
3: And
0: there was no – you did not go to court. You did not have a chance to defend yourself. And now it is at your own expense to attempt to fight this.
3: Yes, that seems to be a major problem today in our nation, and that's leadership sometimes on both sides of the aisle, but more so on one particular side of the aisle where the rule of law means nothing to them. The Constitution is something to... um, run rings around because they want to believe that it's a living document so you know and and to advance their agenda you know they're willing to sidestep the rule of law and what's in the constitution so they can achieve their gains their aims but um, like our our speakers our guests previously said you know we have to stand up to um, these people. Now, I don't really agree with everything that he said about forming a new government, and I don't agree that you know this is it for Republicans. I mean, we're sending in a new crop of people, and I've I've, I've um, mingled with a lot of candidates, and this is a different breed of candidates that I'm seeing that we're you know sending into Washington. And I think these these people understand what's at stake here. They understand the constitutionality of, you know, how this country was founded and was meant to to um operate in and and they see that it's it's in danger. So I don't really believe we just sending in the same old type of people that just give us lip service and um that's it, you know. I think this, like I said, it's a different crop of, um, I don't want to call them politicians, but I would say just what they are legally, representatives. I think they're going there to represent the people, and 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 what's good for this this nation. So, like I said, I don't, I don't really feel, you know, comfortable with this this thing of. Creating a shadow government—we already have one existing—and and who's to say that if you form another government, you, I mean, you think the, the bad guys just going to sit on the sidelines? No, they're going to try to infiltrate it and take over, as they always do. It may take them um, decades, It may take them maybe a hundred years, but they're going to infiltrate and eventually take over. It's just like when you have a group, say Republicans, you know, you. Somebody come join your your Republican Party, you can't deny them. I mean, they can say all they want about they believe in what you believe in and stuff. But once they're in office, if they decide to run, they can really show their stripes then like a Lindsey Graham, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's the problem. And I do make a distinction between Republicans' um, leadership and Republicans because the core group of the Republican parties are those who basically believe in the Constitution and the principles this country was founded on. I really do. And I think it's the leadership that's become the, the part of the establishment that's the problem, not the party. And I don't think you should throw out the baby with the bathwater. That doesn't make sense. It's like tearing down a whole house because one step has deteriorated, one step, you know, in a stairway. You know, you fix that problem. So. No, I,
0: I, I, agree. I agree with a lot of what you said, but he does have some interesting points where there should be does. a method, method in which to recall or give a no-confidence vote on the president, especially in an instance such as this. This would need a constitutional amendment, and I think that should be the path we should be going right now. We should have an initiative to start the process of putting a constitutional amendment together where we can have a vote of no confidence or, or a recall election to remove him from office and replace him now, with an alternative candidate.
3: Think about this for a second, though. Who's to say they won't corrupt that system when they get somebody in office like the Trump they don't want in there and they go cheap? in their recall you know, process or methods. That's
0: where we need state-by-state election integrity laws. We've been passing them here in South Carolina, and down in Florida, Texas, state-by-Georgia. We need state-by-state initiatives to protect the elective system and stop right. the popular vote movement. So and- it's what our actions are that can help change this nation, what you and I can do, what we can get our elected officials to do. So we need to start an initiative for a constitutional amendment to either allow a no-confidence vote, or I should say it should be a recall election using the electoral college and not a popular vote. We need to stop this popular vote bullshit. Excuse my language, I agree process, but I, I'm getting a little ticked.
3: I agree with you, but like I said, the Democrat states are not going to vote for voter integrity.
0: If we use if 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 we use the vast majority of the American people who side with us and explain to them the importance of this, I think we can get it done. I honestly do think we can get it done. But we have to get the message out and the message clear. We have a lot of people defecting the Democrats because they have become too liberal. And if we put something there that is a common-sense solution, you will find the majority of the American people will vote for it. If we start to demand that we keep the enumerated powers restricted to Congress, to the executive branch, to the judicial branch, and the states reclaim their power. And every single regulation and law that passed that is not part of that those enumerated powers, they become null and void. And that's how we take our nation back.
3: And see, one of the things Larry said was, and he, he, only, he only exposed one side of the sword, he was saying that um, – Anything, even if we took over the House, anything that we we came up with that was law and needed to be signed by Biden, he could veto it. But, I mean, yeah. that works in the other uh, way. Unless
0: you have too. That it, unless the
3: Unless That goes got the three-quarters. It, but it, it, no, no.
0: It, 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 if Biden vetoes it, unless we have control of three-quarter majority in the House, we cannot override that veto. So he's looking at it possibly that way, which means we must fight to get a three-quarter majority to override any veto he
3: has. And that's a good thing you said that, because as in our favor, we win big, this big, red tsunami, not a wave, tsunami. But what I'm saying is if Biden himself or whoever's running the White House try to get through something through Congress, with the Republicans in power of both houses, they can stop that. They can block it. And he never said that. He just came up with the, the, well, you know, the Republicans want something to be blocked by, you uh, Biden, but the Republicans can, can slow down or even stop some of his, um, um, bills or whatever, you know, his ideas. I mean, he could, he could sit there and throw out presidentials, Um, decrees all day long but the thing is those could be um, erased the the moment um, a Republican president comes behind them you know that's not set in law and they really don't have any enforcement teeth really it's just a perception you know
0: well what Um, we also have to do is restrict the executive power for these executive orders they must be only issued under specific circumstances. And, and if, it has, if it has something, say, for example, a vaccine or a mask mandate or something that has the power of law enforcement, it has to have a sunset clause. If it is just a decree to say it's cupcake day, hey, it doesn't matter. But if you're turning around and saying that the military must be vaccinated or they lose their job, wait a minute. Um, That's an executive order. That is not a legislation. Uh, Most of the people that signed up, that was not what they signed up for. And also now they're telling you're changing my terms of employment mid-stride. No. You hired me under these circumstances, and that's the circumstances I say it. There has to now, be a limitation on these executive orders.
3: Now, what I want to add to that, throughout the American history, you know, we're supposed to have three equal branches of government, but there's two of them that always seem to be trying to get a, a, a heads up on the other, and that's Congress and the executive branch. Now we have had um periods in our history where it was the Congress who exerted their power over maybe a weak president, or then we had the reverse where the executive branch, you know we had such a dynamite um figure um, in the White House that um they they seem to be more um, in control of things than the Congress. We had a weak Congress. So it kind of like flips back and forth throughout our history, and and that's why I'm saying we're we're sending a new crop of um, candidates up there to Washington, and this may be the time in our history where we, as Republicans, can get the upper hand as we did during the the 1860s when we um, came up with men, amendments to abolish slavery and. Uh, and give blacks the right to vote and own property and become citizens. That that was no easy task because the the, 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 the Southern um, Democrats, they were all against that. But the Congress, the Republicans, they were strong then, and they stood their ground. And see, that's what we need. We need to get people in there like that. And that's what I'm think, That's That's what I feel from what I hear and see. And when I talk to these candidates, I'm seeing people of that ilk. You know, they are not afraid of the Democrats, and they're not afraid of our leadership. You know, um, that we have like Mitch McConnell and, and, and people like that. So I'm more optimistic. I don't, I don't, you know, have a pessimistic viewpoint of things.
0: Well, we also need to encourage encourage the Democratic Party to come back to the center. Uh people like encourage more people like Joe Manchin or Telsey Gabbard. And, you know, when you get someone like Ilian Omar or Rashida Tlaib and OAC A-O-C. Yeah, A-O-C. I mean, AOC. We have
3: to
0: yeah. we have to use also the power of the the press. To expose them for what they are, and you know they're the public's dear the are the public's sweetheart they're the flavor of the month, but no, we have to do the cancel culture the right way against these individuals and expose them for you know how harmful they are to the American way of life. This coming up again and trying to push this green new deal, but this this I love. Uh, you've got Biden and all the others on the left pushing these electric cars, how marvelous and wonderful they are. You know what they're not letting the public know about, Curtis, about this new energy form, how expensive it is and how harmful it is to the, to the environment? Meanwhile, the Israelis have come up with a new engine, the Aquarius engine. This thing runs on just about anything. And I heard about. You, can put, you can put 13 gallons in your tank, and it will take you five weeks. You can go 750 miles on 13 gallons, but it will run corn, ethanol, gas, diesel, just about any fuel source it will run on. It is so versatile. And this is the new way. And as I understand it, it is far less expensive. And already they're making vehicles with this new engine, and they're highly successful. Why doesn't America know about this, and why aren't we clamoring for them? And can they be converted to run in your everyday car? Can your normal car have an engine changeover? And rather than having to buy a whole new vehicle, You just pay for the new engine and the conversion. So you save thousands upon thousands of dollars, get a new car that runs energy efficient and is good for the environment because you're not using batteries that require rare earth minerals that when you try to get rid of them because they no longer work, become a hazard to the environment like solar panels. There's a whole new thing out there and no one's talking about it.
3: Well, that's because these traitors to this republic who are in roles of leadership in this country, <clears throat> those things that you speak of, it's not a part of their agenda to bring us to our knees and to um, achieve the ultimate goal, and that is to have dominion over us. I mean, think about this. <laughs> gasoline cars. Allow you to have a freedom that you don't have with electric cars. Think about this: you you go much farther on a gas-powered car than an electric car. You have to stop. You have to um, you let your car charge for I don't know how many hours and whatnot. And and I do hear that if they catch on fire, these things burn for 24 hours. But aside from that. Say like the government want to shut you down, you know, limit where you go, and everybody's riding around electric cars. They could just shut down the power, power grid. grid.
0: Yep, shut down Another the Another thing
3: grid. is, if we have an attack, uh, electromagnetic impulse attack, that wipes out your your ability to move. So I'm, it I'm,
0: wipes out the car. It kills the car.
3: That too, and, and So you've got
0: eighty-five thousand pieces. Dollar piece of junk sitting in your driveway because an EMT just fried all the electrics in it. Right, got a so hunk of junk.
3: The only ones that be now, riding so around are the ones in the nineteen sixties and fifty cars.
0: <laughs> not only that, the electric grid cannot handle these cars.
3: They cannot uh, I heard handle that the cars. They cannot handle. So, if everybody in America had electric cars. The power grid couldn't sustain it.
0: It cannot. So when you go to work when you go to work, you have to plug your car in for a minimum of forty five minutes just so you can get back home. Every single person having a car plugged into the power grid, it will fry the grid. It cannot handle it. It's an overload. So
3: you know what that means? Rationing of your time. You can only go out and shop or go to work or whatever. Oh, well, you can work from home. And you can only go on certain, or certain days, Or certain days yes. of the week. <clears throat> so you can only drive a more certain distances. Anything down more
0: two. than twenty miles an hour, you're gonna kill your battery.
3: And oh, they how can often tell you do you you, have you to... can't travel more than twenty. They can tell you that. It's just mandated. So Plans, you have all the electronics
0: in it, they can shut your car off on you as you're
3: driving. Right. So. I applaud whatever it is that the Israelis are doing. And um, I hope well, that some of our billionaires, with our kind of mindset, like Elon Musk, will, um, you know, buy into that technology and, 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 and start producing it here.
0: Well, I've got to take a look at this company, Aquarius, I'm I'm definitely going to find out a heck of a lot more exactly how it works and how it can be used, and how much does a car built with this engine cost? And are there mechanics out there to to repair it? Because it looks like it doesn't have a heck of a lot of many workable parts. It looks like a very simple engine. And well, very small. Very compact. I I, my, I want to know more.
3: My understanding is that the American car originally was made to run off of um, Like corn or something like that. Long before gas came into the picture.
5: Oh, but had, they had all we, different we had types.
3: This, we had this oil boom, you know, that started with Rockefeller. He wanted a way to, you know, get his oil into the market, and uh, he took over that, you know.
0: Yeah, there were all different and, types of uh, different types of cars and different types of engines. You had the steam engine too. Yeah, cars ran on a steam engine. It, it, there was so many. But the more economical and easiest to produce and easiest to maintain was the combustion engine. And that's why we have that today. Uh, if there's something new with this Aquarius, I want to know. Because I know the, the electric car is not going to be the way we're going to go. I, I Just no. flat out, it's not going to succeed. And no one can afford these things. I mean, you can go and get a used car for about, what, eight, nine, dollars dollars $10,000. All right, in today's pandemic market, you know, that 10000 car is going for $15,000, But can you go out there and buy an $85,000 car? That's buying a small house. That's buying a condo. That's buying your apartment. Now, what's more important, where you live or what you drive? And I think it's going to be where you live. You're not going to be able to afford that eighty-five thousand dollar car. And it's eighty-five thousand dollars today. What is it next year? A hundred thousand, hundred twenty-five. And oh, don't don't even look at the luxury end of those vehicles. You're probably looking at two hundred and fifty, quarter million, half a million for a car. Who's going
5: to now, spend that I money? I
3: have a I have a question for you though. Uh oh. Since you. you <laughs> You and I both held from the days of the formation of the Tea Party. Do you think the fever that's going on in this country today is even greater now than what it was when the Tea Party was formed? Personally, I would say yes. I, I, I think more people are, are ticked off at what's going on and how our government is just getting way out of control. But I just want to know. What you felt, because every club that I know of now, their their memberships are skyrocketing where they used to have 40 or 50 members. Now they got 100 to 200 members. People are joining these clubs, whether they be Tea Party or Republican clubs or Trump clubs or whatever else they, they, you know, come up with.
0: It's a different flavor. It's a different type of a feather. Uh, Here you have anger. You have absolute anger. Back then, you had patriotism. We did it patriotically. Now people are doing it in frustration and anger. There is a fervor, but it's a different flavor. And it's anger and frustration um, when they're being told uh, that critical race theory is the prominent theory being taught your child. Uh, when Your five-year-old is being told, oh, you're not a girl, you're a boy, by a teacher. And then the teacher tells the child, don't tell your mommy and daddy I said that, because they're the enemy. Uh, When you're told you can't pray in school, or if you walk into a courtroom and something happens, you say, oh, God, or thank God, and the judge reprimands you for mentioning God in the courtroom, when you are told that you cannot leave your home because you're in lockdown and you've done nothing wrong because there's a pandemic that is actually an attack by a foreign nation against the world. And you're told you must wear a mask. You must get vaccinated. You can't go here without a, a passport. When you are told your freedoms and liberties are stripped away, your rights as a parent, your rights as an individual are stripped away by a tyrannical government. There's an anger. When we did the tea parties there was a patriotism there was a feel that we, yes our nation is is good and we're going to make it even better with patriotism with issues and principles we can stand on lower taxes school choice god back in our lives but now it's a different it's an anger will it change america It took anger for the revolution,
3: maybe. Well, I think it it will. I think it will make a difference because I think, as you say, the Tea Party, I would say the motivator behind um, the Tea Party was frustration, and now it's anger. But whatever the motivation is, as long as it results in um, change in Washington, You know, and our side is pretty good at, you know, being on the lawful side of the equation, not out there turning up, you know, burning up cars and breaking in the stores and all that. We go to the voting booth, you know, so well, that's also what's
0: that's also what's different, because back in 2008, 2009, you didn't have this rampant anarchy. You didn't have Antifa. You didn't have Black Lives Matter. You didn't have any of that. And that's the difference here. You didn't have the rioting. You didn't have the looting. You didn't have Tea Party members being jailed simply for their political opinions, although they tried to attack us with the IRS. uh, But you didn't find the government weaponizing the criminal justice system against you. And that's what we're finding the difference is. That's the big. Difference.
3: Well, I think they had the Wall
0: that's
3: Street the occupiers. Clouds. Remember that group, Wall Street occupiers. Yeah. But, but that um, came
0: after the Tea Party, not before.
3: And as far as the weaponizing of the agencies, I think that's been going on a long time. I think we just didn't know it. And not to be when I look at them, today, oh no, of course they—they, they, I mean everybody's out front with the way they believe now where they used to, they they were careful, you know, about what they want to do. Now they just come out and say, I'm a socialist. You know, there was a time you wouldn't say that, but I also fought the media because the media free press was given that distinction, free press, because they were supposed to be the um, organization that, protected the American people by keeping an eye on what the government was up to. And somehow over the years, decades, whatever, they have gotten in bed with the elitists. So they no longer are looking out for our interests, but their own and that of the elitists. And that I do fault the media. You know, I would say 80% of them are left-wing biased. So that that doesn't help us when people are being fed information that is nothing more than propaganda, and they believe in this stuff, you know, because that's all they listen to. You know, they were brainwashed into not even listening to um, well, things like Fox well, News or Newsmax, even out of curiosity.
0: But look, look what's happening now. CNN's ratings have tanked. MSNBC ratings are hitting the bottom. Even Fox News is finding a drop in their ratings. Newsmax, I watch, but sometimes I have to turn them off uh, because I I question where some of these people are coming from. Um, (laughs) OAN is more of a commentary than news. You don't get real news anymore unless you hit a local station. And even then you see a little something thrown in that makes you groan we it's really hard to find a good conservative news outlet you've got the Daily Signal yes you got Breitbart uh, you've got a, a, a few of them but they don't have the vast audience that you would have that say Newsmax is growing their audience and I just wish they would keep down the conservative path they sometimes try to show the opposite side, which can be funny as as, as oh heck sometimes, because you see uh-huh. the the uh, liberals turning red in the face while the conservatives just <clears throat> getting them, just poking, poking and poking. Like Betsy yeah. McCall going after this other guy earlier today, and she did not back down. He, oh, man. And she started turning red. She did not back down. Yeah. But that's what you have to do, expose the left for what they are. And I think Newsmax is starting to do that. I I wish they would stick to that. And sometimes they let a a progressive on there go on and on and on. It's like that's when you grow. It's like cut the person off, get to the truth in the heart of the matter, and expose them for the wrong side of the road.
3: I agree. But I'm going to tell you, one of the, the sources of white people are anger on the right, because they obeyed the laws of this land they went and voted for their candidate and then to find out that the other side cheated and blatantly cheated, and then going to tell our side that you know you're wrong, you know your candidate that did, did not win um there's no proof that we cheated so we're going to create this thing called the big lie and we're going to stick that to you anytime you start start talking about us cheating and that's what's ticking off a lot of people on our side that's where the anger comes in because they they have no scruples about themselves those on the left they are they will lie, cheat and do whatever is necessary by any means necessary to get their agenda Across, and then we're frustrated because our leadership—they're not standing toe to toe with these folks and fighting back. So that's where the anger part comes in, I believe. What do you think?
0: uh, You bet. I I think there's there's a lot to both sides of what you and I are saying. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a dark anger. If we can turn that into a powerful force of good. Then we're going to be on the upswing. You about ready to call uh, Jared in because I don't see him dialing in just yet. Sure thing. Okay. While Curtis is doing that, uh, we are going to take, I think, a little bit of a short break and uh, let's see what we got here. And we'll be right back. Well, if this works... Here we go. When an emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is run to the grocery store, you're likely to find chaos and plenty of empty shelves. So how do you avoid this? Well, it's simple. You use today to make a plan. To prepare for things that may happen. It's a hurricane, earthquake, blizzard, or even social unrest, especially in today's political environment. The practical place to start is by storing up food in your home. And I use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. If you don't have an emergency food supply, it's time to do so. Here's a great item that makes it really simple. A two-week food kit that comes in a rugged tote. And it's only $75 when you go to my special website, preparewithsouthernsense.com, or call 888-441-7290. This food kit includes breakfast, lunch, and dinners, that will last up to 25 years on your storage shelves. So order now and prepare yourself, and then rest easy. So it's very simple. Just call 888-441-7290 or go to preparewith7cents.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called 7 Sense and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, and click on the icon for My Patriot Food. Well, if you want to insist, you can still go to 888-441-7290 or go to my website, southern-sense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Be prepared. All right, and we've got our next victim, our final victim of the day, on the line. Welcome back to Jarrett Stuttman of the Daily Signal run by Heritage Foundation. Good afternoon, Jarrett. How are you today? Good
1: afternoon to you. It's, uh, it's good to be back on the show.
0: Yeah, you had a book that came out rec- not recently, about uh, two years ago, The War on History, The Conspiracy to Rewrite America's Past. Boy, when you wrote this a couple of years ago, do you think we'd be looking at what we're looking at today? Holy moly, what a crazy world we're in.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like that, that war escalated quite a bit uh, after I published my book. In fact, the, the summer after mine was published in 2019, the, the summer of 2020, we saw American historical figures uh, come down, I think, in many institutions uh, and literally come down in the case of uh, many statues are around this country. Uh, it's uh, really amazing the transformation that has taken place in a short amount of time where uh, even celebrating American history at any point uh, is now outside the mainstream. Uh, it's it's amazing how quick this transition has taken place and really an overthrow, I think, of traditional American uh, values, ideas, and, and our history, which is, of course, uh, so important, which is being erased and rewritten.
0: That it is, that it is. Now, um, you've had several great articles uh, that you have up there on the Heritage, and you do great programs on the Daily Signal. Uh, there was recently a study done on the suicide rates of kids uh, that are transitioning, you know, the transgender uh, area. Um, and it was very interesting, the statistics, because we hear one side say, well, we need to protect the kids and let them have these hormones and surgeries and everything and counseling without the parents' knowledge because they're going to commit suicide. But that's not exactly what we found to be true, is it?
1: No, it isn't. This is based on an excellent study by my colleague, uh, Jay Green, who uh, examined essentially data uh, between states that, uh, allow uh, essentially minors to access these kinds of treatments hormone treatments pu- puberty blockers and uh, and and surgeries uh versus those that require parental consent and what would he found is actually a a divergence in the suicide rates in those kinds of states, uh, certainly uh, in the last few years an escalating divergence, but it's not in the way that those who are promoting the kind of transgender movement have said it is. In fact, it shows that uh, suicides are up in states that do not require uh, any kind of parental consent to do this. In fact, it's quite dramatic, there's about 1.6 additional suicides per 100,000. Uh, in those states, and we see actually that the trend lines are increasing, not decreasing. This is very much against this narrative that uh, easy access to these treatments is absolutely necessary to prevent uh, suicide, prevent, uh, you know, bad mental health, and shows actually it, in many cases it appears that the very much the opposite is true. Uh, I, I think what's amazing about this is you know, how much of it the, the narrative is, especially in, I think in popular, a lot of uh, big media outlets and, of course, big Uh, how much the opposite that that narrative is is portrayed and any discussion about it uh, is is oftentimes uh, suppressed or not even allowed to be had.
0: You know, I found it amazing because the statistics came, it's a 14% increase in youth suicide rates. That's a huge, huge jump because you can say, right, it's so many per 100,000 or 10,000, but when you give the percentage, then it becomes mind-blowing. Blow These children are, feel their life is so bad and so desperate. They're willing to take their young life. And, and that is what is so saddening. And, and we talk about, oh, we've, we've got to start thinking about masks and vaccines because of COVID. Because we had maybe a, a spike of only 5% increase in people who get COVID. But we have a 14% increase in children's suicide.
1: Isn't that important? That is is an excellent point you make, and this is certainly a a significant statistic, especially when you consider, you know, this has only been really happening for a short amount of time, that these kind of drugs have only been available uh, since 2010 and only really widely available since 2015, and you're already seeing a massive increase in these numbers uh, for the fact that it's suicide. uh, I I would say, of course, there are also many long-term possible uh, negative effects to people who have gone through these procedures where, you know, 10 20 years uh, or even shorter amount of time for them uh you can see people for instance who cannot uh, give birth to children many women who cannot give birth to children because of decisions that they made uh when they were a child when they were a minor and i think that these are these are incredibly uh these are incredibly sad situations when you do have uh children who have made this decision to do this oftentimes now without parental consent uh that leads to horrible long term uh and permanently irreversible uh, uh, ramifications for them. I I think that's an incredible thing that, you know, as a society, so many institutions are now promoting this as an unqualified good. Uh, The reality is there are many, many negative consequences to this, Uh, suicide, of course, being being the absolute worst here.
0: Now, you know, the statistics here only talk about children, but there are statistics out there that show that those who have transitioned as adults have sex change regrets they end up having an increase in suicide rates uh, the increase in drug and alcohol abuse uh, increase in mental uh, uh, problems and it's a segment of our society that the woke make us feel is totally all right without looking at the ramifications to the individuals at one point before you had a sex change operation, you had to go through counseling and psychological analysis and so forth. It was a years-long process. Now it seems like they're doing it overnight. It's a factory business. is the only way I can look at it because they've got a medical segment of the medical field that's making tons of money. And
1: Yes, we are. And they're and they're refusing to. I mean, at this point, many are promoting this uh, in large part, I think, because they're afraid to say otherwise. And I I think you've absolutely seen uh, many of those who've gone through this transition process who very very quickly regret it. We we've had actually a number of guest uh, articles at the Daily Signal from Walter Heyer, uh who went through this yes. kind of transition. He thought this was yes. the right thing to book- do very much regretted it in the long term. I think those kind of stories are, are quite important. They're not ones you typically see in many uh, kind of corporate media outlets, but they are ones that are out there. And the fact that this this is suppressed, I think, it really is something that uh, people want to look away from uh, and say, no, no, that's not the case. We need to push this as much as possible. I think it's a really sinister thing that we're doing to people in our society. We're really, in many cases, ruining people's lives, uh, making these decisions and giving them no alternatives And way out of this, uh, certainly not one that's actually supported by now, I think, a medical community that is in many cases, uh, I think, compromised by this ideology.
0: Yeah. Matter of fact, I recommend to anyone who's thinking about transitioning, read Walt's book, Dakota, and the other one, Sex, Change, Regret. I mean, he spells it out. We've had him on the show when he first came out with the books way back then. And, uh, yeah, it, it's something that he speaks rather eloquently about, having lived the the, the path. Uh, but this is a frightening, frightening thing. We've got a segment of a woke society. You've got Walt Disney now promoting things like this. Uh, you've got – now, I, I, I got the Roku on my TV because I wanted to cut the cable, and now I'm seeing these commercials, all these pride commercials, and I, I'm like – You've got to be kidding me. Is there any way I can shut these commercials down? I don't want to look at this stuff. But they're making it seem like this is normal, everyday life. When it used to be less than 1% of 1% of our society, you didn't see it with girls. Uh, You normally saw it with boys. And 1% of those that transitioned would be less than 1% female. But now it's a pandemic the only other way to describe
1: it—it it really is—and it is the dramatically increasing, especially in the young teenage girls who who now made this transition or identify now as transgender. It's particularly affecting young people. It is—it is, it is a, a societal epidemic. It's especially affecting uh, the youngest people, the youngest members of our society, who are getting constant cultural messaging now from popular media from uh, schools i you know i just wrote a a piece about how this is such a, a common thing now in a lot of the materials that exist in public schools this idea that they need to normalize uh, transgenderism uh, the, the state of new york actually uh, uh pumped about two hundred thousand dollars into uh drag programs for children i mean these things that are extremely inappropriate uh in an environment for young children uh, these are being actively promoted in, in schools and for young children i think the statistics bear out uh how this is creating a, a a cultural sea change where there are so many young people most of those now who identify as transgender are under the age of 25 and those numbers have doubled uh in the last 5 years uh that's not that's not a natural phenomenon that is because of i think the the cultural messaging we're getting and this this promotion of this idea that it's all good in all cases that this is a good thing for society this is a good thing for children uh i think there're going to be grave i think consequences for a lot of these people and for our society in general that has this message become the norm well you
0: know i i i, I... Two things come to mind, because there was a stat I saw last night uh, about suicides between the age of 17 and 25, and it was a huge spike in those that were committing suicides being those who were transgender. So you're not talking about just these young kids. You're talking about a 17- to 25-year-old segment of society. But I, I when all this tr- started trending and it started becoming a... a, a, a uh, uh, what was the word you used? I said pandemic. Uh,
1: <laughs> a societal-wide a wide epidemic. I mean, it really is. Epidemic, uh, thank you. That, was, that a was a cultural
0: Yeah, that was a brain fart. But if it's being deliberately spurred because we have a global society wanting us to reduce our population, what better way to do that than to go through to the youth and make it impossible for them in the future to have children? How much, I'm wondering, can we trace it back to something like that? Who is spurring this? Where's all this financing for everything coming from? It can't be just from a woke society. Someone's got to be pushing the button, I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, that there are there are huge uh, institutional pressures right now. I mean, there's uh, organizations. There's this big nonprofit called uh, the Trevor Project that pushes this. It partners with much of corporate America to promote these and promote materials uh, on this and to push this into into schools, into curriculums. There's there is a, a massive amount of money with this, and I think you're right about talking about. Uh, children in particular. I mean, it's just, it's almost, uh, you know, it's, it's a common theme, and especially in many revolutionary societies, to try to uh, change the minds of young children. And children are more impressionable. They're willing to accept and believe things that are outside of common sense, I think, more quickly than others. And I think radicals who do want to change our culture and do want to transform things are more likely to target them uh, than adults at large. And that's why I think seeing this now pop up uh, in schools and in, I think, a lot of media that's directed towards children, including, like, as you said, uh, with a lot of Disney programming, where there's been, a, I think, a, a concerted push uh, to, to normalize this, to make this uh, not just accepted but outright approved. You're supposed to uh, clap along for this and, and be excited about it. Uh, I think there is a, a widespread societal push on, on this matter, and it's accelerating very quickly. I mean, just the last few years, uh, we've seen a huge uptick in this, and to the point where you have the, the presidential administration, President Joe Biden, is effectively threatening states that if they make, put any prohibitions on uh, transitions for young uh, for children, uh, they'll have civil rights violations uh, and, and other uh, threats from the federal government. So this is coming from culture, and it's coming from it's coming from government, it's coming from agencies uh, that are promoting this, they are trying to change our society from the bottom up.
0: Yeah. Well. Um... Well, you're talking about civil rights violations from the Biden administration. <laughs> I just saw an article and I said, finally, someone got this right. I don't know if you saw in New York State, and there was a group that was wanting to protect the civil rights of an elephant. I believe it was in the Bronx Zoo, <laughs> saying that he was held against his his uh, his will, and they were violating the elephant's civil rights. That's how far I think our society is starting to go. So the Biden administration threatening parents with exercising their parental rights <laughs> against a child's uh, misguided perceptions is I'm, – I'm shaking my head. I really am shaking my head. But this is where we're heading. I want to change the subject just a little bit because this is something that's immediate also, the attack on the Second Amendment. And there's two bills that are heading out of house, um, H.R. 7910 and H.R. 8, what are they, and why should we be afraid?
1: Yeah, I think what they're trying to do is their their attempt to add, of course, red flag provisions, uh, like a federal uh, red flag provision to gun laws. They're also trying to limit uh, the number of uh, the ammunition that you can have for guns they're trying to limit uh they're trying to go back to the old uh, you know assault rifles as they call it bands uh, of the nineties i I think these are just incremental steps on the way to general prohibition of firearms. you know we've seen this kind of attempt. Uh, certainly, throughout the decades, certainly from Democrats, I think unfortunately, in this case you 're seeing a number of Republicans that are actually jumping aboard on some of these provisions uh, i mean we 've seen this i mean we 've seen how many times uh, Democrats jump at any opportunity uh, to promote gun control uh, it's, which I think is uh, very interesting in a time where we have sky high crime rates in this country like we 've never seen before. Uh, jumps in crime that have been incredible in the last few years alongside a movement that wants to defund the police and, and any ways to protect uh, individuals, they're also stripping away individuals' rights uh, to protect themselves, defend themselves, their families, their communities. Uh, those things are happening uh, in tandem. I, I think very much in our society, disarming the, the populace, making them helpless, making them dependent on the government, but also not doing anything to actually protect them uh, from, again, this, this, the, what the high crime that we're experiencing right now. But, of course, guns themselves are, are for, there for multiple reasons. Not just to protect yourselves uh, from criminals, but also the threats from from the government itself, which, of course, was the original intent and the creation of the Second Amendment, uh, which does not create a right, which simply protects the right to bear arms, which uh, belongs to all people everywhere. And I I think that there is a, a very serious and grave assault right now happening on this, our second amendment freedoms in this country. Uh, they've used recent news events to try to undermine that, but um, I think there's very little evidence that it will actually prevent the school shootings that they if they say it will. I think that they've, they've dodged many, I think, of the recommendations to make schools safer in this country uh, in, a, in a larger effort to promote their larger policy agenda, which is to dis- disarm Americans, unfortunately.
0: Well, you've got, a, north of the border, a Justin Trudeau putting in his proposed law, uh, which would be a mandatory buyback, and no one owns a gun anymore. Guns are only for hunting, is what he's saying, and it's a privilege. Uh, when Justin Trudeau did that, immediately on the heels, didn't we hear Joe Biden say, owning a gun is not a right, the Second Amendment is, is flexible?
1: That's always the contention that the Second Amendment is flexible, and, of course, they assume it has uh, unlimited flexibility to the point where it's utterly meaningless. And, you know, we've seen many, of course, uh, cities and states in this country – uh, that have taken the Second Amendment and reduced it to its smallest possible. three places like Washington D.C. or New York City, that have absolutely done this. I, I am, I have to say, when I see what happened across the border, when I see what's happened in Australia where they had uh, mass gun confiscations, I am very thankful to the to the founders and their wisdom to create the Second Amendment to create our Bill of Rights that is protect, the right to bear arms for Americans, at the very least, it is uh, at least one level of protection that we have, but ultimately, this our ultimate protection relies on the American poli- people continuing to believe in that right and promoting that, I, I think that that really is the the ultimate uh, barrier there that we have. In Canada, they have quickly sacrificed, I think, the freedom that they do have. I think this idea that it's simply based on hunting is, I think, uh, it's a joke. It's, it, it, it insults uh, what the basis of the Second Amendment was with the basis of natural rights that I think this country was created on, this country was founded on. The United States is, of course, a, a different and unique history from Canada, one that I I'm actually uh, quite thankful for, Uh, but I think seeing these kinds of restrictions and seeing what other leaders abroad are doing uh, to confiscate and to take away the rights of citizens, I, I think it's no coincidence that Canada in the recent years has also had Uh, grave restrictions on the freedom of speech in that country as well i think these these rights tend to fall uh in tandem with one another especially when you have uh uh, regimes that are very much for that and trudeau has certainly shown that i don't think biden and his administration are that far off it's simply a matter of what can they get away with in this country i think that we are again we're fortunate to have the constitution we're fortunate that there are some uh, in america still oppose him
0: yeah now we only got a few minutes left, and the red flag laws that, that drives me up the wall. Um, it, it violates every, just about every human constitutional right we have to a speedy trial, to face your accuser, uh, trial by a jury of your peers. These red flag laws go in with a warrant where you have absolutely no idea. That a complaint has been sworn out against you in a court, you have no representation, and then it's up to you to prove to them that you're not insane, you're not the wacko person, and that your neighbor across the street just doesn't like you simply because you don't cut your grass on time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, connecting it to what we began talking about, uh, what if you don't think that uh, it's right for a child to, to transition? Does that make me a crazy person? Does that make me somebody that would trip a red flag law? I think the way we're seeing society and bureaucrats go – I think you very much could see that. If you don't believe in essentially the woke agenda, you're labeled a, a nutcase, a crazy person. Uh, we've, we've seen this kind of tactic before. It was very common uh, in, the, in the old Soviet Union to label a political opponent's crazy or, or demented, to put them in institutions, to strip them of their rights. I think when I hear about red flag laws, especially in the context of where our society is going, uh, my alarm, my, my red flag is going is throwing up because uh, I believe that a lot of those the 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 arbitrators, the enforcers of those laws. Uh, are going to be ideologically motivated, are going to be people who uh, will not respect the rights of citizens, who will be very quick to take them away uh, for ideological reasons. And I think that's why those laws are pretty terrifying to see them here in, in the United States. So even though, they're, they're, I'm, they're, of course, there are many who have good intentions with them and think that they're a good thing, I think that the ultimate end of that will be terrible uh, for rights and for American citizens.
0: Well, you said a mouthful. Now, you've got a podcast on The Daily Signal. Where can people listen to you? I mean, what time of the day and so forth?
1: So we, 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 release every single day. We have the Daily Signal uh, podcast. You can tune in anytime. We release first thing in the morning. Uh, we cover the news of the day. It's called, uh, the Daily Signal podcast. Very simple. You can check out our, uh, our, all our work at the Daily Signal, uh, DailySignal.com, uh, and also at HeritageFoundation.org, which is our parent, uh, think tank and institution. And of course we also have, uh, social media. We have, uh, Daily Signal to our Twitter account, uh, and Facebook. Uh, and you can find a lot of our work uh, right there.
0: Well, God bless you for the hard work. And, Jerry, you know you're always welcome back. So you got something to talk about. Cap Tom on the shoulder and say, send me over. I want that gal to talk to me again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. I very much appreciate you having me on. It's a, it's a good time.
0: All right, and happy Father's Day. God bless.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, uh, Jared uh, Shep, uh, Stepman, uh, check him out over at the Daily Signal. Uh a matter of fact, I didn't say that to the other guests. I should have. Happy Father's Day. You know, Sunday is Father's Day. And to my little sister, it is her birthday today. Happy birthday, Barbara Jean. <laughs> Love you dearly, girl. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, anyway, we'll be back next week. Uh, we have Mark Tapscott will be joining us once again. And that's all I got for now, Curtis. Uh, so I'm about well, ready to we'll say good night and God cats. bless.
5: We'll yeah,
0: get some well, more oh, I've, no, no, I've already got a pile of papers over here next to me. Like people that it's possible uh, George Santos will be with us next week, um, so we'll see. Because they just sent me an email going back and forth uh, while I was on air, so we'll see if they join us next week, um, and we'll see what happens. And uh, Tony Schaefer, there's a problem with the phone system. We're finding out what's going on. We'll see when we can get him back on. So I apologize for the two guests we missed, but there's reasons things happen. So I leave everyone with my favorite closing song by my friend Gary Peccarella, Save America. So happy Father's Day uh, to all the fathers out there. Happy birthday to my little sister. And I say good night and God bless until next week.